Welcome everybody to Mog Talk episode 201. Today is November 7th, 2020. If you're unfamiliar with Mog Talk, it is a show based around the Final Fantasy XIV community discussing everything from Savage Rating to Chuckboy Racing. Uh, today's topic will be on mental health, but before all that, I do want to introduce the guests that are on the show so you guys can know who they are and they won't just kind of sit there awkwardly looking at you. Although, Sophie and Goka will constantly have the same face at you the entire show. Uh, first off, let me go ahead and introduce uh, the newest guest that we have here, Dr. Ryan Kelly. Could you tell everybody who you are? Yeah, so I'm Dr. Ryan Kelly. Uh, I'm a psychologist, and I do a lot of uh, research and paneling at comic and gaming conventions. Psychology of gaming, comic books, anime, and a lot of the books we tend to write are, are related to that, including recently Psychology of Final Fantasy, which just came out a few months ago. Um, I'm also the co-founder of Geeks Like Us. It's a community-based media company that focuses on uh, inclusion, mental health, um, unapologetic enthusiasm, and is basically everything psychology, gaming, and geek geekdom. Okay. Um, so yeah, happy happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here and hopefully give us a little bit of insight and maybe again, like we were talking about the three therapy on the show today. Uh, <laughs> and so Absolutely. we have, uh, returning with us, we have two other guests. Uh, first, uh, Sophie, could you tell everybody who you are? Sure. Um, I'm Sophie or my name is Sophie. So I kind of just go by both. Um, I stream seven nights a week here on Twitch and I have been wow. for like three or four years now, or we're coming on four years, um, during the evening time. And I, I play a lot of 14, but uh, I just like RPGs and, and stuff like that in general. So, and we have a big focus on like inclusivity and like focusing on like kind of like comfy stuff in stream. Hmm. And which is exactly why I thought we'd bring you on. Uh, we do have, again, and thank you, by the way, Sophie, for coming on. Uh, mm -hmm. We do have one other guest that we're bringing on, uh, Goka. Uh, and I'm going to let Goka introduce himself. I won't tell everybody who he is. I am a washed up raider. I am a has-been, a used-to-be, a was, but, but yeah, actually, that's what it is, actually. I didn't have anything more than that. Um, I used to lead Elysium during the Heavensward era. I quit um, at the end of Heavensward, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I've just kind of uh, lingered around and somehow not gone away. I appreciate you haven't gone away yet. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, so anyways, uh, we have a very uh, large variety, well, I would say a decent variety of guests here. Uh, myself, Frosty, you guys know me as the person who runs the podcast here. Uh, we all have different experiences, and this week, and this month, and this year, and everything has been a, uh, a huge hurdle in mental health uh, for a lot of us. And some of us, most of us, uh, in the community probably got good news, but not, you know, maybe not all of us. We're not all the exact same person. Uh, but it has been a pretty interesting day. I wanted to do this show because I felt like, uh, mental health has definitely been an issue, uh, that needed to be discussed within the Final Fantasy 14 community. There's lots of, uh, you know, positive things about mental health with MMOs, and there's also a lot of negative things. Uh, and I want to make sure that we are aware of all this. And so we have a handful of topics. We're, of course, going to talk about politics because that is involved in all of our lives right now, and this is something that does affect our mental health. Uh, we're also going to talk about our community and inside the game, outside the game, and everything else. Um, and we may be not able to hit every single point we want to, but we are going to have a, a fun discussion either way. Uh, and to, to start this off, uh, I, I would like to go ahead and jump into 
what many people who know me as would call a very uh, happy discussion, which is the state of the political affairs, uh, how it has swung today and everything else. But it's 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 good for me, but it's not good for everyone. If we talk about Final Fantasy fourteen, we do have people who support Donald Trump in Final Fantasy fourteen. We have people who don't support him. I think it mostly is people who don't support him because that's just the type of uh, <coughs> demographic that is in the game. Um, and we have to have these difficult conversations every once in a while. I've had multiple difficult conversations uh, with people recently, and it turns into just fuck you, fuck you, we're, we're at your throat, and I, I don't know how to have that kind of civil discourse. And I, I guess I want to pose this question to Dr. Kelly here first. Is it even possible in like the political landscape right now to have like a civil discourse with someone of the opposite uh, affiliation? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is. Um, the The main question is, is it possible to change the mind of others? And, and maybe not. But I think what sometimes happens is we, we get so focused on, I need to change their opinion. Mm-hmm. And we, we subscribe to a myth that we can do just that, that the dialogue turns into this immovable object hitting an unstoppable force and tension just builds and builds and builds until something breaks, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can absolutely have a an exchange of different ide- ideologies and different opinions. Um, and if there are certain you know parameters of respect and boundaries set before the discussion starts and rules even proactively that can be made, for sure, for sure you can. Right? But I think it's I think the the you know we basically have three states of mind. We have an emotional mind. Uh, we have a rational mind and then we have a wise mind, which kind of connects both. Uh, rational is not always good because we'll come off a little cold and we'll, you know, emotions are important to try to communicate. Um, you know, um, emotional mind is not so great because we don't think rationally. It's just very reactive. Uh, so, so you want the combo. And I think most people are either in an emotional mind right now or they're in a rational mind. There's not, not a lot in the middle. And, and I think our environment has kind of led to that. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah. go ahead, Sophie. I've found that, like, I've discussed kind of issues with, with different people on Twitter. And I know Twitter is, you're you're already limited by a, a character count, right? So it, it, mm-hmm. it is limiting in, in and of the platform. But um, a lot of times, even outside of this election, just when it comes to anything that would be considered political, it, it kind of comes down to... I'll be saying one thing and the other person will be saying something. And then we are in like a 10 piece thread where we're both just saying the same thing over and over. And then it's like, okay, well, we're not really getting anywhere. So, so I've had this conversation and I'm one of those people and I have an issue. I think this is a, a issue of myself is that like, I don't want someone to hate me. And so, uh, and it becomes a flaw. I mean, a lot of people don't want people to hate them, right? I mean, that's common. But I get kind of obsessive sometimes about it, and I, I push myself a little too far. Uh, like, I've gone into just private conversations with people who uh, support Trump, and I'm like, let's have this discussion. Let's hit all these different facts. And it just hits that <laughs> wall of like, well, this person said this, and it's just like, it doesn't ever go anywhere. I feel like there's no way, like you said, I, I, I don't feel like there's any way I can convince them. And uh, afterwards, I'm like, okay, I guess hopefully we find common ground later. 
the, the conversation turns into them throwing jabs here or there and everything else. And I'm like, well, I got to cut this guy off now. I can't have him in my mental space right now where he's just constantly trying to throw these jabs, which will set me off and make me not want to uh, have a rational conversation because I'm so tired. Conspiracy uh, excuse me. Conspiracy theories have been a huge part of really wrecking my mental state because there's so mm-hmm. many of them out there, and it has affected me because there's people around me, uh, family-wise and otherwise, that have been falling into these traps of things like QAnon and uh, you know all the other stuff out there, and they're so far gone that I, when I see someone like trying to support and push it, I get angry, and I just can't have that conversation anymore. <clears throat> and I, I don't know if that means anything to you guys, but uh, it is have it has been an issue for me recently, and I am having to cut off people uh, that I would otherwise have a great conversation with if I didn't know they supported Trump and all these conspiracy things and everything else. Um, Goka, do you have any experiences that you would like to throw in there? Uh, so it's pretty interesting because I look I don't actually use social media as much as I used to back in like 2017, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a extension that limits my time on social media during the weekdays to about five minutes so that I'm not exposed to this as much as any other people. Mm. But I've never run into the situation where followers or people that I know are supporting Trump, even though I understand that when you have a larger base, you know, you have like 5000 people following you, it's going to be a lot uh, higher chance of running into those people. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one of the flaws in all of these uh, topics of uh, conversing with the other side is that there's this idea that you're going to change their mind. And I remember reading studies since the 1950s, uh, started by Stanford, I believe, where they were saying that when you present um, facts to people, um, they double down on their position. And um, this is like sometimes in the literature called traditional canvassing, I believe. Um, and it's kind of this idea that you are going to present something and try to convince them. But the new thing that's been gaining traction, I believe is called deep canvassing, um, which is mostly, it's about empathizing with the other person before thinking about changing our minds. And the reason I think it is kind of flawed to go into these conversations thinking that you're gonna change their mind is if you went into that conversation, is there a thought in your mind that you're going to walk out of that conversation supporting Trump? Right. Right. I get it. I get it. Yep. Uh, No, that, that, that was very well said. You know, I think it's, um, to, to add to that a bit, you know, there's something called the backfire effect and we saw it, uh, most largely with, um, the Bush campaign with weapons of mass destruction where Bush, uh, in his campaign and said, yep, there's, there's, you know, WMDs in the middle East, and largely the right um, believed it. Keyword be- believed, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't fact-based. They didn't need it. Um, actually, Republicans in general uh, subscribe more to beliefs and, and faith-based thinking than critical thought or fact-based thinking, and, and Democrats the opposite. Mm-hmm. But so they believe it. And then even when um, you know George W. is on that big you know freighter saying, no, there's no WMDs over there and gave some facts, uh, people actually believed more that they were over there because you can't argue against someone who has a belief by using facts. It doesn't, it doesn't register, right? Um, you have to do it. You know, you got to somehow subscribe to their belief or, or try to play to that. And is it Gauka? What is it? 
Goka. Oh, Goka. Goka. Sorry. Um, I just want to say Goku every time I, I see your name. <laughs> yep. um, uh, uh, you know, to what to what, uh, what Goka is saying is, you know, it's not. Um, no one wants to be told they're wrong. Even if they are wrong, people are going to clam up, and and they're they're not going to admit they're wrong at best. Right? They'll be quiet and not admit they're wrong at best. Um, humans need reflective listening. Uh, it's the first thing you're going to do in marriage counseling, how to actively listen, how to reflectively listen. And there's this idea that you can't um, emotionally validate people without validating their opinion. For instance, if someone's, you know, let's say like a, you know, a, a, a you know, KKK member or a, a proud boy, maybe something a little less, mm -hmm. a proud boy saying of how they feel so oppressed by the government and all this stuff. Well, you might subscribe to the fact that you're not systematically oppressed. You're just not, right? But that the best way that you can try to get them to come around and start to accept your opinions a bit is by validating that motion. Now, that, that would feel awful, right? If I felt that way, I, I can kind of see, I kind of see where you're coming from. You're not agreeing with the position, but he, that person is feeling oppressed, right or wrong. And that's an awful feeling. And if you if you act like that's invalid, then you're invalidating them. And that's just basic human nature. And if you do validate the feeling without agreeing with their stance, they're going to be more likely to validate your feelings and try to come around. And maybe in the very least, you leave, you know, some kind of uh, mutual understanding. Right. So and, yeah. I actually, I guess, like to go off of that. Um, something that has kind of been going on in my community in particular that I, I've, I've been struggling with this week is people have been coming into my Discord, people from my community. And for example, I mean, it started out back on Tuesday with people kind of saying, you know, I didn't vote um, and people are upset with me for it. And I don't think that they should be upset with me. And and then I kind of came out and was like, well, I understand why people are upset with you. And like, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I think that you're, it's a privileged position to not vote. Um, oh gosh, sorry. Let me, That's okay. um, <laughs> so then after that, it became a, a couple of people coming in and being like, I voted for Trump and people are mad at me. And I don't think I should have to have people mad at me for that. Um, and it became like these constant, like little, like having to, like this kind of like moral decision between standing up for like what I believe in, but also like considering them being in my community where I was like, you know, I really like, I am like against everything this person is saying, but I'm not just going to like remove them from my community for their political views. But also there's other people in my community that are now being negatively affected by what they're bringing here. And it became this thing where like, I didn't want to invalidate the feelings of all the people in my community that they were essentially invalidating by coming in and being like, I don't care about your rights, essentially. I don't know if that makes sense. No. And so uh, something that I've been thinking about and I, I've looked into a little bit is, you know, we all want to be tolerant of people and tolerant mm -hmm. of other people's beliefs and everything else. But there is that whole theory of like, you can't be completely tolerant because then you let the mm -hmm. intolerant in and the intolerant take over and then there's tolerance no more. Right. So there's a level of intolerance everyone needs to have. Uh, and it sounds horrible, but you have to not tolerate some things in order for your world to be okay. You need to make sure it's a decent and morally understanding uh, level of tolerance, then not tolerate people coming in saying racist stuff and killing people and stuff like that. Right. That's a, that's intolerance. You're not tolerant to, towards that. Sure. And so um, I guess in the end, I, I feel like 
that's something that we all have to learn to accept and move forward with, uh, that we're all going to have to be intolerant of some people, right? Am, am I, you I know, wrong? No, no, I think I, I think I might amend it just a bit, if, you know, Please. is, yeah. um, I think there is absolutely room and a necessity to be intolerant of certain ideas, certain thought processes, um, certain actions, certain policies. Um, you know, I think when when you begin to be intolerant of, you know, people in the sense of their their feelings or or past or experiences, um, it can become problematic simply because it's not like I mean, if, if it was a situation where we could simply include or exclude the intolerant, that would be a little different. Mm -hmm. They're in this country. Right. So right. so when, when you're thinking, do you have the right to cut people off and be intolerant of intolerance. Absolutely. You, you have every right to, and I get it. But is that going to be effective from a systems change? Probably not historically and psychologically and sociologically, probably not. Mm -hmm. So that question of, do I have the right to do it? And, and saying yes to that, but then also having that second question of, is what I'm doing going to be effective to promote progress and change? I think is very important. And, and there's an idea, I think, with empathy where when you're looking at one's emotional intelligence or, or ability to, to be empathic, it's the measure of that is not how well are you empathic of people who you understand, right? People who you can get their pain, you can understand their pain. Uh, the, the true measure of, of empathy is understanding people that are totally different than you, who maybe even hurt you, right? One of the greatest exercises uh, or practices of empathy is is forgiving someone who hurt you again you don't have to right mm -hmm. you're not bad for not doing that but i think that 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 could be something to aspire to of can i sit here and think about something who so neurologically and instinctually i i i dis disagree with at a core level and i hate and i can't stand them and they're an awful person but then trying to hold on to that small flame of you know, I have no idea their experience. They have thoughts and feelings. They might not be as educated as me. They might have had a loved one who told them this for years. And it was their one loving adult that, you know, in their life that taught mm -hmm. this for years. So they're, and then they died and they're not letting go. I mean, I think that's something important to consider. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, you're right. Go ahead, Goka. Um, yeah, I was just going to piggyback, piggyback off of that. Um, this is actually something that's taught in a lot of persuasive writing. Um, I mean, at least, you know, in my colleges and high schools, I don't know if um, other people had other experiences, but one of the fundamental things that we're taught is you have to exercise a lot of empathy when you're writing in mm -hmm. order to be more persuasive. And the mm -hmm. idea is that if you're able to think about the topic from the opposition's opinion, you can more readily address concerns mm -hmm. that they'll have. Mm -hmm. And so you will be in the middle of writing the paper and you'll get to a part and you you'll say, okay, well, you know, someone who disagrees with this paper and is reading this is going to start thinking X, Y, Z. And then at that point in the paper, you're supposed to say, okay, let me address this because that's exactly what's running through their mind. And the more articulate and um, empathetic you are with this technique, um, you know, the idea is supposedly the more persuasive your paper will become because you're no longer leaving things on the table that are unaddressed. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, I would like to say 
uh, while we're all talking about like politics and everything else, I, this is something that we're going to be running into. There are going to people be people in the community that uh, are Republican in <clears throat> Final Fantasy fourteen. We're not all just Democrats out there. So is our point of view to be like, all right, if you support Trump, fuck you and I'll never talk to you again. It, it, do we need to get to that point for our own mental health or do we need to get to the point of where we learn how to find similar ground because that's difficult. That could be very difficult and a very dirty, messy situation to try to get to someone at that level uh, or get to someone be in the same level they are, have that discussion and be peaceful the entire time. And it takes a lot of energy. Uh, so I, I don't know, Sophie, this is something that I'd like to ask you since you do deal with a pretty large, inclusive uh, community as well. I mean, do you have a policy on politics and like Trump, people who support Trump and everything else? Um, so I think that's kind of been the struggle because I, I guess, and this was kind of going through my head um, as I um, heard Dr. Kelly talking about like empathy for people who have different uh, opinions and stuff is my problem. My big block is when I'm in a situation where I can see what's like someone has a differing opinion and I can like hear what they're saying but also like i'm empathizing for other people that i feel like the words that they're saying are hurting and so maybe it's not like directly affecting me what they're saying like it could be but if i feel like it's gonna directly affect someone else in my community and like it's it's you know bigoted towards them or something or their views are are directly opposition to like who some of the other people in my community are like it's really hard for me to accept someone coming in and like saying like you know, they support Trump and a lot of like the things that Trump puts out there, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, that, that's a very good, that's a very good point. There's a very big difference between a, a one-on-one discussion versus when you're a big streamer like you and you have, you have to really keep in mind community management. Um, because that is, that is a bit of your job. Uh, you know, I think that's hard to find. And I would also say, you know, for, for streamers like yourselves and you had, you know, you had said this, uh, do you, do you go by what do you go by actually frost frosty or just frosty okay i just make it sure okay yeah, yeah um realize i had never asked you that it was so rude it's okay no, um, it's but, uh, but uh you know you had sort of said this whether right or wrong or what's the best way to do it or how do you be more effective partly it does have to do with your mental health and the mental health of your community so if you feel like you know what i can't i can't be around this i'm i'm burning out when I'm around it, it's like either traumatizing me or making me depressed or making me agitated. And I, and I just right now can admit I don't have the emotional energy to deal with this dissent in my community or my community is struggling to deal with this kind of thing. Then maybe there does need to be a type of I, I don't want to think of it as like a, a, you know, a mass banning, but a type of boundary to set like like Spofi was saying of like, all right, you know what, for now, here are some new community rules. We just don't talk about it. We're just going to set this boundary because we don't have the energy. You know, there's no problem with that. It's an important thing to learn how to do, set boundaries. Yeah, it's, I, and then I think there's also the side of it where it almost feels hard setting that boundary because it does, like, if you really, like, believe in something, you don't want to, like, not speak up for that, I guess. I don't know. For me, I've been having this, like, big, like, in my stream we've been not talking about it but in discord we've been people can talk about it 
And so it's kind of been this like dichotomy between those two things and just trying to like, this is the first time that I would say my community has really like talked about politics since even though like, I don't know, I don't think we like held a strong rule against it, but there was kind of a rule. We didn't really like go into it. But obviously, I mean, it's so relevant right now. It just feels weird to be like, okay, don't talk about it, you know, because it's like, right. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Uh, personally, I've been through this song and dance um, over the past, I want to say, five years because it's kind of similar to leading the, um, you know, back then, what was the, the largest uh, endgame rating community. You have a lot of different personalities, a lot of, um, you know, bigotry and people thinking they're the best, and you kind of have to navigate through that ocean. And back then, my method was you know, try to be as accommodating as possible. And um, it was kind of like the whole Obama speech, uh, you know, when they go low, we go high. And mm -hmm. um, around more, I would say more recently, you know, those walls I had to put up to deal with that type of behavior kind of shattered at some point. And I had this talk with um, Keo, whom I don't think anyone here except for Frosty knows. I know very well. Yeah. And you know, we, we came to this agreement that mm -hmm. I've been, I have not set up my boundaries properly. I was just letting people kind of walk over me and um, trying to, you know, basically serve them and their needs and their happiness mm -hmm. first and foremost. And it kind of reached a point where it was so bad that I felt it was almost um, a debt in a sense, like if, if they were able to do this to me for this many years, five years going, then, you know, if I do it to them once, they should be able to take it, right? You know, this kind of mm -hmm. this mentality of, you know, you, you take what you dish. Um, mm -hmm. And this is kind of my input. I would say, put your boundaries up sooner, because if you allow people to do that for many years going on and you're just um, letting it ride and it's not good for you, then, it's just going to fester more and more as the years go on. So I would definitely take a look at that and just think, what am I willing to tolerate and not willing to tolerate and just go from there? <clears throat> I mean, no, I th I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I, th I think that's well said. I do. There is a um, resource I want to let you all know about. Um, so with uh, the company I run, Geeks Like Us, we recently paired with Guardians of Mental Health and Geek Therapeutics. Geek Therapeutics is a number of psychologists who um, train people to use geek and gaming and therapy, other clinicians. And um, we had made this streamer mental health kit uh, that we've been working on with a few people um, and having a few people that, that are directly using it. Uh, like Anxiety Marie has been great. Um, but uh, there is a course training um, that you can take and it's a full year. It's like a year subscription of like 35 bucks. But it has this a bunch of um, psychologists, Twitch streamer uh, researchers. We, we actually have researchers who, who uh, that's all they do is, is research streaming huh. and Twitch and parasocial relationships. Dr. Amory Daniels runs that. Uh, but we also provide um, two free services. One is a great bot for Discord channels that I can let all of you know about where it's got a lot of really great features like exclamation point depression. And it shows all about depression, what it is, resources, hotlines. Um, it, it even has an Autobot back and forth for people who are going through a tough time in your Discord in case you want that to have a boundary there. But uh, and then on Geeks Like Us in our Discord, we have a streamer peer support groups. 
um, and they run at the non-affiliate, affiliate and partner level. Some are, you know, these larger ones that people can just accumulate and mental health professionals, uh, streaming researchers and so on come in and we have issues we talk about every week or month uh, where we talk about how to set boundaries according to research and communication styles mm -hmm. to help you with your individualized. And you can also request kind of these private streaming groups with a few people that might have similar things. I know Spofi, you're uh, a, a big um, advocate of mental health and self-care. Anxiety and Strange Rebel Gaming, also very big in that. Gamer Doc, some other people we work with. Um, so yeah, Anxiety's awesome. Oh, Marie's great. And so pairing, pairing, you know, people who have similar initiatives, similar purposes, and and we the point of it is as mental health professionals, as doctors, as researchers of of streaming and parasocial relationships, we want to help the community set these boundaries because you know, like like you were saying, um, Goka, it's like. Um, it's hard to know what to do and how to set it. And even if you kind of learn, oh, I have to set it early, then the question is like, well, so how do I appropriately set them? How do I balance my principles with my my own personality? What am I capable of? You know, um, that can be incredibly hard. And for for streamers like you all, you, you who, who have an, a focus on the well-being of your community, well, when it when the buck's got to land somewhere, sometimes it's a bit self-sacrificial and you jeopardize your own self-care and your own well-being for others. And eventually you're going to, you know, we, we burn out. We've seen it time and time again. So that's actually a, a good point. And this is exactly the next point that I was planning to go to, but it is a point that I would like to go ahead and discuss then some is the, the fact of mental health with streaming. It's a huge, huge deal. Uh, I've thought about it. Uh, plenty of times because you're talking about those parasocial relationships. It's actually a lot of people don't think about that. And a lot of people who are coming up in their streaming, they have no clue about any of that psychology behind streaming. Uh, and mm -hmm. it gets into some really dangerous territories and we see some dangerous things happening. And even in, you know, we can see that stuff happen in the Final Fantasy 14 uh, community in various different ways. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of it more public than not. But I, I think that it's. When we're talking about interacting in a stream level, uh, I, I guess I would like to ask you first, uh, Spofi, if you don't mind, have you like had a discussion with yourself and thought about it, about how you come off to people and how that whole mental health dynamic works within your community? I mean, we've, you talk about it some, but uh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... so. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what you mean. I guess. Okay. Uh, so like when you we were going uh, and you have your stream up and everything, do you do you think all right? Well, now I'm here and I'm uh, talking to all these people and what I'm saying may affect these people in some way. Are you worried and concerned about them and how they're thinking? Do you weigh yeah. your own thoughts and how your mental health is doing? Have you had those conversations with yourself? Yeah, no, I definitely think about it. And I think about it in the way I present myself too. like, it's it's always been really important to me to be like, honest with my community with whatever I'm going through, because I don't really like the idea of the whole like, I don't know, only only showing like the the good side of things sort of feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have discussed and thrown around like the word toxic positivity before, but it's, it's this idea that like, I really think that you can have a stream like focused on creating like a comfortable and positive environment while still being honest about 
things not always being positive and saying when, you know, things are bad and being able to talk about it still. Right. Like you mm -hmm. can like, like that's been like a huge thing that I've, I've always focused on and what I, I guess I've always wanted to like reflect of myself is that like true reflection of like things that people are going through and not trying to like cover that at all, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I, I've had those conversations, uh, with myself as well. And I've tried, so I'll, I'll give you my kind of my experience. I, if someone comes into my chat, I assume that if I don't know them, I have no clue who they are. I have no clue the state of their mental health. I have no clue what's going to go on there. So I try to always, when I talk, not be overly uh, offensive. But then again, I have that conversation with myself then I'll just be, you know, a plain cracker that just doesn't, you know, doesn't taste good, doesn't taste like anything, just up there, and it's not even worth going to a stream for. Then you have the opposite side of that, where you could just be super outgoing, crazy, insane, and just pick up everything that you can get. But that messes with your mental health as well, because there's this aspect of, I always have to entertain people. I, I don't know, Ryan... I, I'm kind of stepping all over my words because I, I don't know if I can explain it well. I know what you're talking about with the parasocial stuff, but could you explain it a little bit better than I can? Sure. Well, it's actually interesting the way you both were explaining it, even even if it is stepping on the words. Actually, it's pretty accurate to what it is because it's so confusing and it's so hard to know the right answer. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, parasocial relationships, it's this idea of, you know, uh, you guys make large communities. People see you a lot. I mean, my gosh, Spofy, seven days a week. That's impressive. <laughs> And there are some people there that might be with you seven days a week. And, uh, you know, as that's happening, you know, they many are probably, excuse me, many are probably starting to feel like they have a personal relationship with you that they, especially when we're very intimate with our viewers and letting them know our feelings and our past and so on. And, um, you know, they feel like that relationship is there and then they, they want to share it as well, which is in some ways is fine. At other times it might it might be tough because they think you're the one to go to to say, you know, I'm suicidal or um, to, to reveal some really big trauma in this big public uh, sphere. Right. And which we know isn't always great. And, and it's you know, it can be good in some ways because it's you love that there's an outlet, but it's hard to have that balance. Right. Because, you know, we have something called social penetration theory that has to do with it, where or onion theory is what it's called. It's the Shrek. It's Shrek. Hmm. The, the idea that you you work from the outside in with people, uh, developing trust, starting with conversations like weather, movies, etc. You get to trust them more. Maybe you talk about you know your favorite sports team, and then you get closer to the center. And it's politics, and it's these tough things that have happened to you. And then at the core, you have a dozen or so people, right, that you really trust, and you would say these intense things with. Well, streamers are kind of put into a position where people feel like the streamer has earned the spot in that space, right? And they're revealing um, these things in an atmosphere that could be harmful to them. And that it puts streamers in a position of like, I don't know how to address this or do this. And then also the anger that might ensue if as a streamer, you're not always responding to them or they feel ignored or whatever. So, so trying to, the community management piece mm -hmm. can be really, really hard. The expectations put on you all, right? It can be incredibly hard. Oh, yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think that it has gotten better since my stream has gotten 
I guess over the past few years, my stream has grown a bit and <laughs> it has gotten better because I think when you are streaming to, I don't know, uh, let's say 20 people, 10 people, whatever, I, I think it's a lot easier for people sure. to like develop those very like close parasocial relationships. And I don't know, when I first started streaming, I had some like really crazy situations with people mm. just being like completely, you know, I, I wouldn't have talked to someone at all. And they were like, I've booked you a flight to come live with me and stream from my like basement. And I'm like, that oh, gosh, is yeah. nuts. Please there you go. like there you go. a restraining order sort of thing. Great um, and it, you know, Thanks. it happens here and there, but it, it has gotten better. And I, and I do think, like you said, setting boundaries is so important. I mean, like mm -hmm. knowing what you're going to do if someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of committing suicide, like knowing the resources, knowing, mm -hmm. having some sort of like education on how to, approach that situation is really important yeah yeah uh I, I really couldn't agree more and uh goku i don't know if you have any two cents you want to throw into this i know you don't stream yeah i'm not a big streamer um what i will say though um uh, actually no no it, it's probably a, better for a different topic okay that's fine that's fine uh, i mean and we are saying this is streaming. Streaming is like a, you know, a, a, has this crazy new, I, I guess, a field of psychology almost that's going into how that whole interaction works. And there's a lot to study and it may be new and a little rough too. Um, but I mean, it's not too uh, far off from some of the interactions we have as like guild leaders uh, or free company leaders, as we'd say in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, people who are at like higher standing where we're always talking and communicating with people and we're going out there and people depend on you in some way and you feel like you have to be a certain way because of that. And uh, there, there are some things that you can kind of relate there. Um, I mean, even when I first... When I first start playing this game, I led a static, which is a raid group, Ryan, by the way. Uh, okay, thank so, you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, I led a static, and we were getting new members and everything else. And there was just, uh, there's this one guy. He was the nicest guy. He was great. But he was not in a great place in, a, in his life. He just, mm. he wasn't. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm working with everyone in the group. And then suddenly he doesn't show up. And then sometimes he comes up. And he does say these things, like, I'm going to end my life and everything. Um, and I, I don't know how he is. I'm not talking to him anymore, but I, it got to the point to where I was calling him on a cell phone and I was saying, Hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm crossing this boundary because I, I am so, I actually have issues with that, by the way, just so you know, I have a past history of people saying things to me that are suicidal. Like when I was growing up as a teenager and everything else, and then like getting controlled in some way because of that. Like that is a factor that people can use to control yeah. you. And yeah. so I, I have issues. So when uh, he came to me, he was discussing it. I, I kind of went a little further than I probably should have. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the end he was okay. And eventually he just stopped playing the game. Uh, I haven't heard from him then, since then, but I assume everything is fine. He just needed to be away from the game. Uh, those could be very traumatic experiences. And it happens uh, I mean, when you're dealing with people online, it will happen to you every once in a while. Yeah. And we're not equipped. None of us are equipped to handle these kind of conversations. I mean, Dr. Kelly, you're a little bit more equipped, but I mean, like most most people are not uh, trained to uh, how to interact with people when those situations happen. Um, so I guess uh, I, I would like to ask this question of you. If you have people kind of coming to you and trusting you in that way, what what's a good response for you to make sure that you stay okay and they stay okay? Uh, Kelly, I don't know if that's a, a, a good question or not. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a fantastic question. Um, I mean, that's, 
the point of the uh, streamer mental health kit is to provide this this education to give you exact case scenarios, et cetera, and how we'd recommend doing it based upon research, what your responsibility is, and knowing what is actually the best way to help them. Because it might feel like sometimes, oh my gosh, I've got to call this person, right? What's your phone number? Getting one of your mods to get their phone. And it's so kind. And, and you know, you, I know you all have like such big hearts and there's some great streamers with these massive hearts out there. And, and they just bleed for these people who are hurting and the empathy of you all I know is so high. So it's like, I have to help. But there is a point where that kind of help actually is enabling or, or makes it more endangered, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Totally accidentally, right? And, but I'll, I'll tell you in that example, if someone comes to your stream and is saying something like, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you're starting, I'm sure both of you, you've come across this, but, uh, and probably you too, Frosty, if, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad uh, the stream has started. This is about all I have anymore, right? Or something where it maybe is a, alluding to some pretty serious hopelessness, which might uh, suggest this individual might have some suicidality. You know, what we would recommend is, you know, maybe a mod whispers to them, you know, not you, not streamer, don't address it in the stream, but a mod uh, can whisper and say, hey, we noticed this, um, you know, we just wanted to let you know, you know, uh, of some resource, are you okay? You know, is this something where are you, and you can use this language like, you know, do, are you safe? Do you feel like you're safe right now? And if they say no, then, you know, the extent of your helping we are so sorry. The community is behind you. We strongly encourage you call, you call these hotlines. If you have that bot in your Discord, you can say, you know, please, you know, and they're working on making it for Twitch as well, but, you know, exclamation depression. It'll give you a lot of resources into what you're feeling, some communities you can get involved with, some places to interact with others to normalize this for you and to get peer and mentor support. Here are some hotlines if you are immediately, you know, a danger to yourself. And then that's kind of where it ends. If they continue going on and on, you kind of have just these kind of rote comments, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, you know, we are not trained uh, to handle that. And we would, you know, we, we would potentially be harming you if we did. We, again, we strongly encourage and just copy and paste. You know what I mean? And, and then you'll probably have to deal sometimes with this feeling of, could I have done more? But at that point, that's kind of the best you can do. And then as a streamer, because really with this mental health kit, you wind up teaching your mods actually, right? Uh, we sort of say, if you've passed this program, you're kind of competent to deal with this stuff. You know what you're doing. And a lot of it is is you guys then instructing your mods of how to handle it. We Most of our panels on digital lately on packs and stuff, we do a lot of panels, has been like, you know, um, I'm not your therapist, right? That was one we did with him and some other uh, uh, streamers or ones where it's specifically like this. But um, yeah, it's that's that's incredibly hard. But there are are better ways to deal with it. You know mm. what I mean? There are. Uh, I hope that answered the question. No, it did. It did. Yeah. Uh, it, because, you know, it's something that I feel like I've gotten to a point to where I'm a little bit more confident with handling it. Uh, and just to let you know, like, it's also been people who are close to me. Like, I had a uh, one of my first girlfriends who kind of ha used that as a way to control me. Uh, right. And then I had to eventually talk to her mom and distance myself from her completely and cut her out of my life because I just, I couldn't handle that. Uh, you know, I, I don't have any ability to, uh, and it's harmful to me. Uh, and I have also, uh, but I mean, there's other trauma traumas that's happened in my life to have kind of added to all that. Uh, and we don't have to get into all of them, <laughs> but, but it's notable. I yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, it's important for us just to realize that we're all humans here in some way or another. 
uh, and we need to recognize that we can't always be a solution. Even if we want to be like their best friend with it, we have to find the real solutions and we're not always the real solution. Uh, if I had maybe, I think that's right. A lot of stuff that I'm saying, I, it, it's more of my bullshit stuff that I put in my head that I think's right and I sound confident, but maybe I'm not right because I'm not qualified. So Sounds good to me. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. And this would be for you and Spofi. You know, I, um, I, I'm always very conflicted with how open to be when it comes to personal uh, stories or mental health issues or so on as a streamer. When I see people do it, I, the first thing I feel is admiration for the courage it takes to do so. Uh, it's easy for me to imagine for so m- how many people that would normalize that with, right? Um, all these benefits that come with it, but kind of at, you know, at great benefits with potentially great costs, I start to worry about, you know, are you going to lose a sense of, of privacy? Uh, are mm-hmm. you going to be then endangering yourself because people then believe there's a parasocial intimacy between you and, and, and sort of the, the cost you take? How do you, we, I mean, again, we sort of know guidelines with research, but experience is so telling as well, wisdom it can offer. And y'all's experience, how do you draw that line of how much to give to your community to not gloss over it and the toxic positivity Spofi was talking about, but also to protect yourselves because your well-being and privacy matters too? How do you, how would you define your line? For me, it's always been I talk about things I'd be comfortable talking to my friends about. And by that, I mean, not the things that I tell my friends out of disc. Like, you know, those things that you're like, oh, I'm kind of nervous to talk to someone about this. Like, it's kind of like something I don't tell many people. I don't talk about that sort of stuff, but I talk about the stuff that I would be comfortable someone that I'm friends with talking about because I I think it's okay to be open about that stuff. I think it's Mm -hmm. good to obviously I mean, you need to approach everything with with privacy in mind, right? And not giving out identifying information and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it is okay. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not really giving any part of yourself, unfortunately, I think it is natural that like sometimes those parallel social relationships form. But if you're not really giving any part of yourself, you're not really being yourself. And at that point, you, I don't know, that's kind of what streaming as yourself becomes about for a lot of people is being yourself. So that's just kind of part of it, right? Sure. I do. I I would like to throw my uh, opinion in here uh, just as a a reference. I uh, recently got my bachelor's because I went back to school and everything in cybersecurity. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Uh, It's very (laughs) vital if you want to uh, talk about it in what's safe is to not even show your face to not do anything. I mean, and that's just literally it. You have to have, give nothing to mm. the rest of the world. And when in the realm of streaming that we're familiar with, that's not possible. Uh, it, you kind of accept that as a loss. I mean, celebrities accept that as a loss, right? And lots of people accept this as a loss. Uh, who, I, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but R- Rick Moranis was just walking down the sidewalk and he just got punched mm-hmm. in the face for walking down the sidewalk. Uh, and so he doesn't go around with security or anything. Uh, your your information is going to exist, and you have to do your best to protect it. Uh, and but we do have a, a reasonable limit to how much we can really protect. And which is, I'm going to be honest, which is one of the reasons a lot. You know, I'm not a big huge fan. Like I'm not into like the new wave of things where everyone's using an avatar. Uh, what what's it called? Um, VTubers. Yes, VTubing. VTubers. Like to me, uh, you know, it's you know, I'm an old man, so it doesn't click with me. Me, I guess I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, I love it. 
It is so mm -hmm. secure and you can stream and be who you want and you don't have to be self-conscious about anything else. You don't have to worry about anything. You're just there and you're entertaining uh, in a format of a VTuber. Uh, and I, I want to, I hope that's where streaming pushes forward to next because that's what I would like to see uh, is everyone being safe and happy online. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know it's not always reasonable. There's people who like me that like see that and they're like, okay, maybe it's just not my thing. Uh, and they'll go watch somebody else that's uh, with cam. I don't like to do cam when I'm not on stream. I only do cam for uh, Mog Talk here. Uh, but mm -hmm. like, it's one of those things where, if you, again, if you want to be super secure, then be a v VTuber. Don't do anything else. But otherwise, you just kind of have to accept some of your personal boundaries are going to be out there, and you're going to slip up, and you're going to say stuff. Uh, and I'm pretty comfortable, to be honest with you, saying some things, but I do my best not to give too much out there. I want to make it a really hard piece of uh, work or it's going to be very difficult to get, get that horrible uh, docs information that they're working to get. So I try to leave it at that, but with the understanding that, that it's impossible to keep it completely secure. But that's fair. Thank you for that advice. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope that, I mean, you, you have your name out and everything. I don't have my name out. <laughs> so you, you know, it's kind of your brand is your name too, though. So, uh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we, we kind of, it's a weird one with us because we're, you know, we have for academia and everything, our name has their publications, <clears throat> our interviews and panels and things that we do. It's, you know, we can't really escape it. And then there is this kind of odd thing where, you know, our name becomes our brand and, you know, it's hard to separate that for us. I think I was actually thinking about the, the avatar stuff. Um, I'm going to start a series. I do a lot of VR and a lot of VR psychology. Oh, nice. Um, I'm gonna start a series where it's, I was a neuropsychologist. Uh, I did neuropsychology, uh, years ago and mm -hmm. I still love it a lot. And I, in tilt brush, I've made these big 3d brains and oh. I walk in there for therapy and show what's going on in an anxious brain and the pathways and they can engineer it with these paint brushes. But, um, I've been using this live compositor that allows you to throw yourself in there. So you're actually in the V world, VR world. Mm -hmm. And that's what people see is you actually in the VR world. Yeah. And I saw that they had this avatar option. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, man, that's interesting where I'm going to appear as an avatar. And actually, lately, to y'all's points, I've been thinking about like pros and cons. A potential con to Spofi's point is maybe they'll lose some n needed intimacy between me and a viewer. Right. Um, but then at the same time, I think there is something when you when you take away the person out of the concept is maybe a little e more easy to focus on the. The concept but no i, I yeah. think it's a very interesting discussion i, I can mm -hmm. see really big benefits but i think you're both right yeah you know having a face at times can be nice yeah you know? i feel like we could go really deep into that conversation but there's other things that maybe i want to hit before we yeah. go into a huge vtuber show uh yeah. but uh goka and again i know i'm sorry we're jumping around a topic set uh is a little bit less in-game final fantasy community stuff uh but did you have any two cents you want to throw in there goka no, I was waiting for the uh, the fourteen jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, this this is the fourteen jump. Sorry, so I, I wanted to hit that because it was a, a good uh, point for us to discuss streaming and everything else. But I guess it's to bring that into fourteen. Uh, I mean, we're talking about working with other people, and Goka, you've 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 worked with people on an emotional level. I'm s assuming you realize that, right? Uh, by by being a raid oh, leader, yeah. uh, being a I mean, guild leader. Uh, you, know, you know, people both take it and I give it or mm -hmm. whatever the phrase is. Yeah. You know, it's definitely um, a lot of um, 
emotional baggage that comes with um, three companies, especially, you know, we were running for like five years. So um, some people such as Layla, I've known since 2014, so six mm -hmm. years, and some people even longer since 2013. So um, the thing about an MMO community is that, well, let, let's take a step back. 14, being a 14 player is not the same as being a gamer. Um, okay. This was brought up in another stream in regards to WoW, but I also think it's true of 14 because, you know, when you have the, your other guests coming on here, they're saying, well, we want people to study their jobs and get good at them. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this time investment of very unfun things that are kind of mandated of you by mm -hmm. the community. Um, so there is a very communal aspect. And when you're playing this game, you're not just playing it as a one-off, you're playing it as someone who is part of this community. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember I was talking with um, someone named Kyoko Hana, who <laughs> works as a medical professional. And her take on it is that a lot of drama in 14 community stems from uh, both the prevalence of anxiety and depression, but also this idea of cognitive distortion, which is typically seen alongside uh, those, um, those issues. And so, the idea is... Before you go too much further with the cognitive distortion, uh, I, I feel like I have an understanding of it, but could you clarify what you mean by that? Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Oh, okay. Next. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, her, there's different like layers to it, but the one layer about it that she wanted to talk about was um, this idea of black and white thinking. So you're either are something or are not something. Um, and I remember... <laughs> that in this discussion, um, her example was, you know, I am the best no, scholar or I am the best um, DPS or something like that. But it can also be very negative. So you could also be like, everyone hates me now or um, everyone thinks I'm um, a bad player. And these are ideas and concepts that definitely feed into 14 uh, very heavily compared to just, you know, standalone games. You know, mm -hmm. if I suck at God of War or whatever, no one gives a shit, you know, move right. on, do whatever. But when it comes to the 14 community, um, not only do you care, but other people care. You know, there's a reason that FF Logs is this big public thing. It's kind of this idea of, you know, how valued are you on this job? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what? where do you rank? And it's so granular. You know, 14 has had this obsession with the granularity of, the best of the best and optimization um, to the point where we have things like that. And it can create a lot of tension because when you have people who are exhibiting some of these um, issues of depression and cognitive distortion, um, it's just a recipe for disaster where people disagree over some very menial thing and it becomes this larger conflict. Mm -hmm. And now, and just to let you know, uh, Dr. Kelly, FFLogs is a site that ranks who has done the highest damage on certain fights. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and so it's just basically ranking the players. Like, this is the best player on this fight because he's done the most damage to the boss right. and got the fastest clear or something of that nature. No, um, I, I really appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm so curious of what I'll recognize on what I'll... I was so happy. I felt like Captain uh, 
Captain America, I was like, I understood that reference. You know, like, <laughs> I heard the FF log, I was like, oh, I know that one. Yeah. You know? If you have any questions at all, just feel free to ask. Uh, I'll do my best because, uh, again, to let everyone know, uh, Dr. Ryan Kelly is not like a hardcore Final Fantasy XIV player, but he's a hardcore psychologist, right? And gamer. Right. And, and, and I do love <laughs> Final Fantasy. Again, uh, yeah. we wrote Psychology of Final Fantasy out of love for it, but I think we're we're among the you know, most of us were favorites were either um, six, seven, or ten. Classics. And a lot of us kind of, yeah, and a lot of us kind of stopped more or less at 12, but then read a lot about the stories mm-hmm. for the, you know, role-playing aspect of, of 14. So no, I appreciate that. I'm hoping to get really educated. <laughs> yeah. 14. I'm hoping to get a seminar course on this in, today. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, to go back to kind of Goka's point here, I guess, uh, there is a kind of divide that's in the per- in the world of Final Fantasy XIV, uh, where it's uh, kind of to that point, the casuals versus the hardcore players, I suppose. It kind of goes into that as well, where you have these two camps of, oh, I only play for fun, I shouldn't have to have any expectation, mm-hmm. and then there's the, the people who uh, have to do as good as possible. Uh, and the, the discussion is always, how are you affecting other people by your play? Are you doing bad, and so you're causing them more time and stress and everything else? Or you're doing right. good and helping them? And so there's this whole back and forth about uh, play styles and video games and everything else that's been at conflict for so long in the community of Final Fantasy XIV that uh, it, it's it's actually a very interesting discussion and I think does lead to a lot of divide uh, within the community in its own way. Uh, that's pretty much what you're going towards, right, Goka? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was really trying to like, I know I didn't do a good job of it because I'm not as experienced with this. Um, I was really trying to hammer how some of these ideas of cognitive um, distortion can uh, enhance this type of drama in the community. Oh, yeah. And the, the hate yeah. between people and everything else. Yeah. Sophie, go ahead. I will say, I think that there is also a massive middle ground between the person who doesn't raid at all and the person who raids like super hardcore um ranging obviously from people who are interested in raiding but really scared ranging from people who like raid a little bit and they're not sure how to define myself and that's where like i find a lot of the people who i meet through streaming and who are my fc kind of lies in that like weird middle ground where it's like almost hard to like tackle and like help them like move along in like their journey and enjoy like rating in the game because of like some like really binary perspectives that exists and like the conversation around rating and some of the terminology that we use. Mm-hmm. So well, it's, it's good. I was just saying, <clears throat> yeah, it's cool to hear you guys talk about it. You know, I, um, so, uh, the, the best games I was, a, I was a competitive MV, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom two player. Um, it was consistently in the top 50. And then I was a, a competitive, uh, Rocket League player, uh, so not okay. Grand Champ, champ. and um, you know, so those are my knowledge. I mean, I, I they're MMO FPS, obviously, but there's mm-hmm. some overlapping components with the competitive uh, right. edge and the idea that to be a part of this community, they're actually it's conditional. Uh, to be a Fortnite player, a Valorant player, a CS:GO player, if you're not good, you're actually not. Some of some are going to sort of say you're not really a part of the the true community, right? Mm-hmm. We. We look at a lot of this. Actually, there's a thing we talk about called uh, storming, norming, and performing. 
And uh, in these competitive-based games that have a rating component or a, a tournament component, there's this idea, and World of Warcraft too, but where there's expectations, um, there's sort of this layer at the beginning where um, people are going to bicker and fight. And dude, why aren't? Why didn't you? Why did you do that? Why'd you cast mm -hmm. that? You know, like right. whatever. It's like dumb. Like, why yeah. would you knew? Like whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And um, the idea is that's a storming, and the norming is trying to get to the point where if you can develop a communication style where you can be supportive and constructive, get through those differences, have those rivalries, and but then come out with some trust, um, you're going to be the performing group. You're going to be the one who who succeeds as, as, as a raider, as a, as a team. And, um, you know, uh, Goka, this kind of goes to you. We've uh, researched actually uh, Bruning 2015 did a good study on looking at people mainly using WoW, but they did some other um, MMOs, um, but looking at leaders of the guilds and studying, you know, how do they affect the well-being, the play style, the communication style of other players. And what they realized is, you know, ones who, 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 who make their guild members feel valued, trusted, um, treat them as if they have a sense of mastery or accomplishment, um, cared for, that those players uh, stay around longer, uh, that, that um, positive emotional benefits go outside the game, and actually they do perform better. So a lot of what you guys are talking about, it's stuff we've studied for years in sports mm -hmm. psychology. And mm. so actually now there is this very specific type of sports like of esports psychology of all of these dynamics um, that exist, hmm. you know. I mean, that's that's it's amazing. Exciting. I didn't even think about that at all. Uh, but yeah, no, when I um, kind of when I'm thinking about it, too, it's uh, Final Fantasy 14 is not it's competitive but not competitive right it's a game it's right. it's it's a game that you go and the goal is to beat a boss or do something and so <clears throat> in these situations where we have the most friction is when people who don't know each other have to interact when they queue up randomly mm. and have a team randomly which is a team of a healer a tank <clears throat> and two dps uh which is like an expert so that's when we see like that interaction mm. where all the hardcore players come in and all the casual players come in and then in this thing called party finder where you put up a party and you're like, I want to clear this fight and you have random people come in and you have to have these forced interactions with people you don't know because uh, you don't have a set group going with you. And so you have all these clashes of people and play styles and attitudes and everything else from the people who mm. are, you know, they're, they're like play tic-tac-toe but they draw lines all over the tic-tac-toe board and they're like it's just a game why do we have to care you know that meme and then you have uh the people who have to be super hardcore and go in mm. as hard as they want to then you have everyone in the middle which is most people uh i think mm. is that there's always a uh kind of gray area that we all live in just some are a little bit further to one side than the other um i mean there are people on the edge of trawling lines yeah. on tic-tac-toe boards and scribbling all over it uh and there are the opposite of people who will uh say you didn't heal me there and i died i'm gonna leave the group completely because you're the worst person in the world and they leave i we've had these experiences but there's always something behind these players right and so yeah. what i guess my question comes into now is when we're interacting with people who give us these horrible interactions that we're just not expecting because it makes no sense to us uh how how do we need to process that for ourselves? And maybe if we have to continue interaction with them, what's the best way to have those discussions? Uh, and Can get I to have a quick clarifying question? Sure, yeah. With with the raids, mm -hmm. um, is there a sense of 
um, competition in the sense of we've got this big thing we want to achieve and we have high expectations for the other players. And if you don't meet those expectations, we might be pretty frustrated with you. Well, it's more of like, hey, we're going into a fight and we want to clear it, but you don't yeah. clear it because someone messes up a mechanic in the fight and then you have to start over right. and go back. And it's just constantly like, how many times do we have to attempt to clear it when everyone should know all the mechanics if it's a clear group mm -hmm. that you have made? And, uh, and there may be sort of a sense of, I let my team down or you let the team down. Yes. Did that exist? Okay. That, that absolutely okay, does. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and I mean, like, and we're also talking about, uh, and this is coming up soon, which is uh, where we get into the really competitive stuff, uh, where people kind of have these perceptions of what the rest of everyone else should be around them. I'm going to be doing a coverage of the world race that's coming up in the next month or so. Uh, and so I'm putting in a spotlight all these people who are really, really good at what they do. And it maybe somehow normalizes for these other players that are going out and they're doing their own stuff and they're like, oh, well, why can't you clear this? It was cleared yesterday. You should be able to do this. You're stupid. I'm so good. I could have cleared it if I was with someone that wasn't as shitty as you. All right. And so we have these weird interactions with people. And I, I don't know what my question is. I'm just presenting that as an issue. <laughs> uh, and maybe your thoughts on that issue in particular, uh, Dr. Kelly. Um, if I, if I understood it clearly, mm -hmm. um, well, if I understood it, um, <laughs> sure. I hope I got close, um, is that the question is, uh, when you have people who have greater expectations or their, their goal is uh, maybe more to achieve than it is to play, mm -hmm. I suppose, that as that as that goes up, how do you manage how that affects the the interaction with other players? Yeah, with, with the people that are in our, I guess more <laughs> of like uh, in an MMO world where we're all diverse and we have different thoughts on how play style should be and everything mm -hmm. else. Uh, how do we solve that issue of reducing that friction? Do we just... Uh, I guess there is no answer. I, I mean, it, it really depends person to person, right? And uh, that person could be having something else going behind them. Uh, but how can we be responsible players going into an MMO and interacting with people we have no clue who they are? Like, well, if, I, would, I, I would, yeah, I would say two things. I actually want Goka, if you could speak to the second thing I want to talk about, because you were personally in this position and you've you've mentioned it a few times of a few things you did. Um, one is again when we do look at video games. And we're looking at problematic gaming. Um, two things that consistently account for problematic gaming is uh, high competitive games. And competitive can be uh, PvP or mm -hmm. PvE, right? So right. just the, there's expectations. We're playing together, and now I'm frustrated that we didn't beat this boss or something. You know right. what I mean? Um, mainly it has to do with expectations. Um, that that's one. And then that certain types of loot crates, um, certain types, uh, mm -hmm. not all of them. That's such a general term. Mm -hmm. But certain ones that get a little closer to gambling, they account for most problematic gaming in youth, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so the more competitive, uh, the more problematic it's going to be. I work with, well, I, well, I don't work with Riot, but I have some colleagues who work for Riot that I work with. And, you know, it, it's interesting looking at the dynamics of when you play an unrated versus competitive and mm -hmm. how different your experience is going to be. Um, but as a player, when you go in, the biggest thing you have to remember is, is trying to answer these two questions. When I'm in here, what do I have control over and what do I not, right? Because a lot of the times where we start to tilt, it's because we're subscribing to a myth that I should be able to control this other player who violated my expectation of them. And then I got angry and tilted. Are you free? Can you, did you not under, you know, and it's right. like, 
we know as humans, if that's the way we respond, that player is actually going to perform worse the next time, actually. Right. Mm. And so we're not effective. We're, we're, we're responding very emotionally. So if we can answer those two questions and then sort of manage the emotional reactivity and like, hey, man, I noticed you, you know, you didn't uh, heal there. You know, tell me your thoughts or something like that. Was, well, I just right. forgot it. I hear you, man. It's just it's so fast paced. What can we do to help you? You know, like and that can be effective. But the thing that that I want, uh, uh, I'd be so curious, Goka, is we also know that leaders of raids um, and leaders of guilds have a lot to do with it um, because they have the most power, which is similar to the bystander effect. If you got two people, you got someone tilting on someone else and you have another player, especially the leader of the team, come in and shut that down calmly. It's like, hey, man, we're not tilting here. We're a team, you know, and what can we do to support this player? That sets the tone for the communication style. And that player is, is less likely to behave toxically or tilt. Um, so, Goga, I, I wonder if you've had experience where maybe in your community um, you, you had some negative interactions or toxic or tilting, and then by you sort of valuing your players and, and having this leadership quality that you, you obviously have, you saw it help. Or, or, or the opposite, I don't know. So it's pretty interesting that 14 is very different from a game like WoW where um, there's a lot of focus on the big guild and the raid leader. In 14, since it's only eight players, um, it's pretty easy to you know, self-destruct the team and then build up again. So mm -hmm. there's a lot less emphasis on this idea of leaders and structure. I think back in Heavensward, mm -hmm. it was definitely true. But since Heavensward, that model, that mentality has definitely <clears throat> faded away. Um, during my time <clears throat> as leader in Heavensward, I, mm -hmm. I definitely used that, um, that leadership position to kind of temper um, sentiments. Um, I think I remember one very specific case um, in Gordius where everyone was pissed at Mr. Happy because he was doing like two, 300 DPS less than these other ninjas. And I remember having to repeatedly have these individual conversations with people on his team. Like, look, you know, here's the situation. Here's what would happen if you kick him. And logically speaking, you should just like put up with it for now. You know, you guys re figure out what you want to do after the tier. But now that you're like slap dab in the middle of it, um, just kind of like suck it up. I didn't, I didn't put it that harshly, but um, that's pretty much the message I gave them. And mm -hmm. that worked for like the duration of Gordius. But nowadays in the eight man group, you can have people that just explode on each other and do not give a shit until certain people come into play. And I say this because um, I've been ninth man for a lot of the competitive teams since Heavensward. And the ninth man is just someone who like goes over their gameplay and kind of like offers advice and tells them things during the, during the competition. Mm -hmm. So the way that it's changed since then, it's no longer about the leader per se, it's about the individual person because each group has certain select people that they respect. And if the person that's giving you shit is not someone you respect, things just go, you know, they fly, they go crazy. Um, mm -hmm. But typically my role as ninth man in these groups is kind of offer this role as someone whom they can mutually respect and will agree with where I say, you know, we need to stop doing this and focus on this. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how the dynamics shifted, but the general idea seems to be there. 
I mean, mm-hmm. there's still leadership that uh, happens, especially in more like mid-core, I guess, you know, uh, groups that uh, have to stick together. A static, the reason they call it a static is because it's the same static eight members. And you have, usually mm. you have one person who's kind of in control and talking to everyone, just organizing, making sure they have some leader role in these eight people. Uh, but it is true that it is less necessary than it was before. I do want to make a quick clarification that... Uh, Mr. Happy is uh, a awesome person that we all know, and we're just using that one example <laughs> that Coca had. Uh, and that was like, how long ago was Heaven's Word? Five years ago, dude. Five years ago. That was five years ago. Uh, but yeah, he, it, you know, there's been so many interactions, and we maybe we should have brought you know him on as well to give his discussion because there's. We've all had the ups and downs of the community in various different ways that affected our uh, mental health and such. Um, but I did want to go ahead and put out there while we're using him for an example, I, I know Mr. Happy pretty well and he's a really awesome guy. So that two or 300 DPS back in heaven's word means nothing relatively to <laughs> today. I mean, back then maybe it was a big deal, but it's, it's, uh, old situation. Uh, that being said, I guess I want to go forward with, um, when we're talking about these interactions with each other, uh, and we're dealing with our expectations, what we can control, what we can't control, and everything else. Um, I, I do want to say that we will run into situations to where uh, people will come to us, and they will be mean, <clears throat> and they will be horrible, and they will be you know going off and everything else. Uh, at that point, do we just tell them to calm down? Do we say, oh, that's probably the worst thing to say. But do we just like try to calm them, or do we like have to s- just be silent for a second and bring ourselves down from all that tension? Uh, when we find ourselves in high tension situations in video games, what's the best way to kind of breathe and handle that, uh, Doctor Kelly? Sure. Um, so, so in particular, when others, if I'm understanding correctly, when mm-hmm. others, yeah, when are, others are, are going that. off, or I mean, <clears throat> and it's affecting you. I mean, it, it's going to. We're all human, of course. Right. Um, you know, so I'll start with, you know, what you all know, but I'll, I'll add a little spin to it. Okay. <clears throat> you know, when we get stressed or angry, um, essentially it's, it's a stone throw from a fight or flight response, right? Even mm-hmm. if it's in a video game. And what's happening in a fight or flight response is, you know, all the raw data that's going in our brain is immediately going to the amygdala. The amygdala lights up, releases a bunch of cortisol. Cortisol sends our heart rate up and, you know, stresses out our muscles and, and, and activates a few things that, you know, trying to get us ready for fight or flight at a sub level. Mm-hmm. And if it keeps going, it then talks to something called the locus coeruleus, which then releases uh, noradrenaline. Well, talks to the medulla of the adrenal glands and then releases. Uh, mm-hmm. all, all that being said, it's a neurological process, what we feel. And it's, it's instant. Okay? okay. It's instant. So we have to remember that because otherwise, when that happens, by the way, our prefrontal cortex, the thinking sort of inhibition part of our brain shuts down actually right mm. so we're, we're literally not thinking and, and we're going to be very highly likely to be emotionally reactive and what i tell people is you know you imagine you know a threat uh, hey you have a test tomorrow that you totally forgot about and it's huge oh my god you feel that stress mm-hmm. right that instant hit probably noradrenaline when you hear that mm-hmm. one yeah and then someone says oh wait 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 that's four weeks from now the first thing you, your brain is going to naturally tell you to do is Oh, God. Right. Mm -hmm. Because taking a deep breath 
is actually what inhibits your amygdala. That's why we so strongly encourage deep breathing, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, it inhibits the release of cortisol. It, it lowers the activity of the amygdala and it reactivates the PFC. So if you, you know, it's childish, but that's the science behind it. And we teach children this since they're little. If you got someone who's tilting and it's starting to make you tilt or you're getting emotionally reactive, mm -hmm. take a deep breath, square breath, four seconds in, four second pause, four seconds out, four second pause. Try to relax and then think about how can I be effective? And the effective way to deal with it is like, um, like Spofi said a long time ago is, if I recall, it's, I think it's Spofi, I'm sorry, Spofi, if it was someone else. Uh, <laughs> my memory is not great. Um, is they obviously are feeling an, an, an emotion that they're struggling to control. So if they're going to be in your group, you, you, the best thing you can do is try to validate it and try to help them manage it, right? And, you know, so like you said, I don't know in the history of humans, telling someone to calm down has actually worked, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it only makes people, um, but being like, hey, man, hey, like a quick, th th what we sort of say is you, you can, you can say, hey, man, we're not tilting, but yo, what's going on, dude? You seem real frustrated. So you can quickly throw out the what you're not going to be allowing, right? Or what, what not do, but then almost like it's an aside and be like, mm -hmm. but we, you're obviously frustrated. What, what's going on? What can we do to help you? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and hopefully it can work. But again, what do we have control over? What do we not? Sometimes you can't yeah. stop them from being emotionally reactive. Some people are more emotionally reactive and then it's mm -hmm. okay. Are they going to be able to be on our team? Well, yeah, yeah, especially when you're with random people that you don't know and you have absolutely right. no idea how they're going to react. They may just leave uh, and you're just right. like, well, I guess we just go out and find another person, which is kind of that process. You can only be what you can be and there's only so much within your control like you were talking about. I'll give you one little example you guys might Sure. It's, uh, I used to play, um, we used to have a stream called Pro Social Gamer. I played with a, a Riot member and we'd play Valorant. And with others, I played uh, Rocket League and stuff. These competitive games. And we did something where when, everyone, when anyone tilted, um, we would be positive back to them, right? If they tilted on us, we'd, we'd comment on their sense of humor or how quick-witted they were or, or mm -hmm. whatever and still be like, hey, man, do you want a gun? Do you, you know, I noticed you're playing with Ares. Do you want, you want me to buy you the Ares to save you? Mm -hmm. And we would sort of... We're all, she's a psychologist too. So we'd be monitoring the frequency of the negative comments, start introducing a pro social behavior and see if they would then begin to model it. And almost across the board, you know, they'd be like, no, nah, it's fine, dude, it's fine. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, tilted man, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And it, pretty much across the board, if, if you're responding positively, usually it's going to make it a better, even if they're attacking you but it's interesting because i almost feel like that makes more sense in a larger group because you have like kind of a large like then it turns into like camaraderie but in a smaller group i feel like that could almost be patronizing for someone who is like feeling like i don't know i've been in situations before mm -hmm. where someone has been tilting and like i've gone the route of, of just trying to joke around and they and they've seen it as essentially making fun of their feelings in that <laughs> moment <laughs> Yeah. Um. So it, I think yeah. it, it, it really depends because like when you're in like in, in 14, we have party finder and we have like statics. And when you're in party finder, you're dealing with random people who you haven't played mm -hmm. with before in a lot of cases. Whereas in a static, you're playing with the people who you're playing with like every single week. So the way that you're mm -hmm. going to talk to someone who is dealing with like tilting or whatever in a static versus how you handle someone who you're randomly, mm -hmm. you know, playing with is going to be pretty widely different, I think. No, you're you're very right, and, and there's a thing. Uh, it it really boils down to 
mostly how how you do it and who you are. Uh, for instance, we had a, another psychologist friend who would play with us, but his his natural. I love this guy. Uh, he's he's uh, USC, and um, he kind of sounds a little bit um, vulnerable, I guess. You know, like like when he talks, he's like, "Hey guys, this is a good game." Like you know, All they right. kind of sound like that a bit. Yeah. And so when he would do it. Um, like he could never, they'd be like, yeah, like it's just like tilting more on him and you felt so bad. And we know, and we know that if you're a, a female gamer, um, you're going to still be tilted on more likely than, a, you know, a male. It's, un, it's very unfortunate, but as Spofy, I don't need to tell you, my God, um, there is a big difference between being a female gamer and a male gamer in respect or, or the impact you can have on other, other male players primarily, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah. Good point Actually, that's probably something I don't know so if, if you wanted to go into a little bit about the struggles that you have to deal with. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, it makes sense because like, I mean, when you when you talk to I mean, the the way that was just described of how to handle things kind of does make a lot of sense, but it is I don't <clears> know, <throat> hard to bro out in the same context, right? <laughs> um, given a similar situation. I mean, I'm a very like talk like I if someone is acting in a certain way that I feel like is hurting a larger situation, I'm much more the kind of person to like privately message them and try mm. to talk about it and like have a conversation about it. And usually in the context of someone that I'm close to, it will eventually get to the point where it's like, okay, you probably don't recognize when you're hurting other people in the sense of tilting. So like, let's come up with a way to like, notify you in a way that's not going to be like upsetting so that we can like take a step back or you can like go get a snack or whatever i have a, this is a really big tangent so i'm going to make it as short as possible okay, sure. but um, i have i've grown up with pretty severe misophonia which is basically when you like hear certain sounds like going into fight or flight so i have a lot of practice with like <laughs> dealing with completely irrational angry responses to people just for like chewing or like cracking their knuckles or whatever like just like managing that feeling mm -hmm. so i often kind of like take that context and like try to like talk to people about like a lot of the things that i've learned like deep breathing and stuff to like kind of deal with that like really irrational sense of tilt towards someone for just like doing something that's not what you want <laughs> you know right. uh i i do want to go off on that just a little bit and i don't know i've never really thought about it i just it was just something that uh, bothered me is that if I, I don't, when I get into a random group, a party finder group with people, um, I refuse to jump in discord and speak with them on an audio level in any way, because as soon as I hear them coughing or, you know, <laughs> eating chips or hitting clacking on their keyboard or going crazy, I'm instantly angry. I'm like, how inconsiderate could this person be for not recognizing their noise is going straight into my ear and bothering me? <laughs> And so I, I, since I'm going with random people, I don't want to be that person to control them. And I'm like, no, I'll, you know what? We'll see how it goes. If I do horrible, you can kick me out, but I do not want to hear a single thing. I don't want to hear your, and I don't know, maybe I'm just antisocial at sometimes. Like, I'm like, I don't even want to hear about, you know, things that are going on in their life. I just want to do the fight, right? It's always like, I just want to stay by myself, have my moment of peace and fight with these other people. And then I don't want any of that auditory stuff, any conversations or anything else. I'm done with it. I just want to kill it. Uh, so I don't know if that's related to what you're you're talking about, Spofy. In any way, yeah, but uh, there's I think there's different levels of like uh, people like struggle with sounds in a lot of way, and I think it's a pretty like not talked about thing with with mental health is mm -hmm. like 
a lot of people and I and I think it does tie into like some anxieties as well and just like when you're thrown into a situation in party finder where people are like get in discord with these seven people you don't know and like we're all not gonna have push to talk on and like that can be like so overwhelming yeah it, it's it's so much for me I love talking by the way that's why I do this podcast I love interacting with people and everything else but when it comes to rating I just do not want to hear another person unless if I know them in some way or regard um, no, that that's fair. I, I'll I'll add a little bit to um, to kind of um, validate um, Spofi Spofi a bit is yeah. So we sort of look at the response to sensory processing, and mm -hmm. when someone has a sensory processing disorder, um, you know there is a spectrum. To your point, Frosty, right? Mm -hmm. You sort of have how much am I bothered by sight, sound, tactile, shirt tags, texture of food, etc. Mm -hmm. And some people get annoyed by it, and then others have more of a a stress response because of it, right? It's more that amygdala thing I just talked about. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's a, it's not panic, but it, it could lead to it where it's like an instant cortisol noradrenaline for something like chewing or smacking or something. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, emisophonia is a specific type of a sensory processing disorder. I, a little funny story. I, I have a colleague of mine, she co-founder of Geeks Like Us. Um, we work a lot with Wizards of the Coast and do a lot of D&D &D therapy and things like that. A lot of D&D tabletop. Mm -hmm. And she has a great series called Psychology at the Table, where she covers basically GM tips um, of, of how do you have someone with ADHD or who's dating someone or anxiety. And she did one uh, on misophonia with uh, Elisa Teague. Elisa Teague is a, a big member in the D&D uh, &D community mm -hmm. and who has misophonia. And I was going to be a part of it. But uh, I have. Uh, oh, cool. Nemec. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a thing that is, is probably partly physical. I had surgery, but it still exists. And it could be a motor tick, but where I, I make these sounds often, or I do that with my mouth or I, or I kind of blow out with my nose and I, mm -hmm. it, you know, there's some physical part of it, but it, we sort of agree. So you might see me muting and uh, unmuting a fair amount to clear my throat. And it's stuff, fine. It's, uh, we were like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be on that interview with Elisa D. <laughs> you know, it's like, because <laughs> as much as I can't really control it and I should be shamed for that at the same time, it's like, well, I don't need to be there. <laughs> she's gonna drive. She's gonna to like Spofy. It's like no. She, I'm, I might make her have a stress response <laughs> if I keep making these sounds. <laughs> well, let us know, Spofy. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh god. Uh, but no, uh, Goka. I, I know we've been talking a lot, and I haven't really directed a lot towards you. I don't know if you want to take a second to throw your two cents in. I did hear your mic light up, or see your mic light up. I just uh, started talking as soon as I saw it. Uh, so it kind of the direction we're going is something that has made me not resentful, but kind of lament the direction of mental health awareness, Yeah, yeah. which in itself is kind of broad statement. Um, it's that a lot of mental health discussions center around depression and anxiety, but there's obviously a lot more to it than that. There's, you know, you've got your schizophrenia, uh, you've got autism, you have OCD. There's a lot of different things, but every time that it comes up in the gaming community, it's usually just people talking about things that have made them sad or their anxiety. And mm -hmm. this is kind of where I've been thinking that it's there, there's kind of this block where you have certain things that are very communally understood. You know, people generally understand sadness, which they associate with the depression. They understand anxiety, which obviously associate with anxiety, but these other things do exist. And they are going to be part of the gaming community because it is an MMO, but they are not 
um, discussed or thought of as acceptable things. Um, they are, they're not as uh, readily accepted as like mainstream mental health issues, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of reminded me of this article. I think I sent, I sent this to Frosty. I was talking about Kanye yeah. West where um, he talked about suffering from bipolar um, disorder. And most of the talk around that has been anger and um, kind of laughing at him about it because, um, you know, they, they're upset with what he's done in the in the political scene, which, you know, I can understand obviously makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, how do you balance um, trying to be accepting of these mental health issues versus the consequences that they cause? And how can you make this discussion of mental health be more inclusive of things than just anxiety and depression? Yeah. And Dr. Uh, Kelly, would you like to jump in on that? Sure. Um, well, so, you know, the things are going to pop up and it's just in general how we develop schemas and ideas of how things The more common something, the more it'll pop up. 50% of people at one point in their life will, have de- will deal with clinical anxiety and or depression. Um, so you're going to see it more. So the discussion is going to be there more, right? Um, it's quote unquote, more normal, um, normal, not meaning healthy or unhealthy, just common, right? Just typical. Um, and so that discussion will occur more. Whereas if you have something like bipolar or schizophrenia, it's about 1%, um, magnitude is higher, right? A lot more invasive in people's life, both of those. Um, and then you sort of ask, well, then also going to manifest in a MMO world, right? Are we going to see their, someone with schizophrenia, are we going to see their positive and negative? Um, how much is that going to impact the game? And, and so there can be these very natural barriers, that, you know, aren't necessarily people being neglectful, more of it just, it doesn't pop up. Now you have groups like Geeks Like Us, uh, Take This, Guardians of Mental Health, Geek Therapeutics, uh, GamerDoc, Anxiety, um, all these people who work, their work crosses mental health, and uh, gaming. And we're doing our damnedest, right, mm-hmm. to make this relevant with Twitch streaming panels. I mean, we did over 16 panels last year at comic and gaming conventions. And at each panel, uh, or over conventions, and then at each panel, each convention, we're doing over six, seven, eight panels uh, and working with the gaming industry, meeting with, you know, Microsoft and trying, trying to boost this. Articles, um, interviews, we're really trying our best. But uh, yeah, you're right, it is hard. Um, especially with these limited ones. Now, I think what we're trying to do now is say, all right, uh, we're struggling to, yeah, I see Miss Rogue, anxiety is great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's what we're trying to do now is disseminate the resource to have access to this information to as many Discord channels, hence the bot, mm-hmm. that Guardians of Mental Health, uh, uh, Goka, it's like the idea you could, exclamation point, schizophrenia, great explanation, how it's going to appear in gaming, resources for treatment, um, ways it might pop up. We do videos on kind of, here's how Asperger is gonna appear in your Discord, here's gonna appear in the video game, here's how it's gonna appear um, at a, a D&D table. And mm-hmm. so these resources exist. I think our big barrier is getting big people who have bigger communities than ours of this very niche gaming psychology community um, to disseminate it, right? And, and that is a big part of what we're doing. Goka mm-hmm. is trying to do that. So if anybody, if any of you guys or anybody is wanting to know, you know, where can I get resources to disseminate? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'd love to give them to you because that's right. our, our goal too. 
So I will definitely be reaching out to you after the show uh, okay. about that too. Because I feel like this is something I've been thinking about a lot, uh, a, a whole lot, especially within the Final Fantasy XIV community. And that is not because the Final Fantasy XIV community is uh, should be correlated, oh, mental health issues, right? It's more of, hey, mental health issues should be correlated with our life <laughs> and things that we interact with. Final Fantasy XIV just seems to be part of my life. And so that's what it's uh, where I'm actually aware of it at. Uh, but I see it all the time. You know, where people are just having these kind of issues and they're ignored. Uh, not ignored, but they're people don't understand it and they just kind of, they don't know how to deal with it. And it's better just to kind of push them off to the side, right? Mm -hmm. And not, not deal with it in a way that's uh, I guess would be proper. And I guess that is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask another question of, it's just going to be me and me asking questions of Dr. Kelly all night. So I do want to take a second <laughs> to ask Spofi if you wanted to put in your two cents to anything that we talked about recently. Um, I think I, I think I kind of got my two cents in with that part. I mean, I completely agree that like, I don't, I don't know if there is a, I mean, I don't think that there should be a stigma in mental health or like correlating it with anything. I mean, I think it's really good to be talking about it with regards to like anything. And I mean, video games, it's obviously something that comes to the forefront because there's all sorts of different reasons to talk about it with regards to video games. I, I do like how Goka talked about the anxiety and depression thing being kind of the only things that we really talk about because I think that like, even when I was talking about like, my own like sensory processing stuff like I kind of felt the need to relate it to anxiety because a lot of people really understand anxiety and understand depression and people who struggle with other things feel the need to almost like validate them by relating them back in some way to those like more understandable difficulties for people I guess if that makes sense yeah no and I mean that I think again me bullshitting whatever my thoughts are uh I, I i do think that it is important for us to kind of try to find that correlation i mean it sucks to have to simplify conditions and stuff but how else do you reach out to people besides trying to take things that they know and relate it in some way because they're they're not experiencing it they don't have that same uh experience that you have and maybe maybe that's not right maybe you should <laughs> go in more detail kelly dr kelly no i look i mean look guys you know, I might have a PhD, but that these things that you're saying bullshitting are pretty damn accurate. <laughs> so, you know, don't sell yourself short here. I just have some names and years to provide with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, excuse me, sorry. Um, you know, passive neglect uh, it still feels the same by the neglected as active neglect, right? Intense, whether it be the intentions there or not. And, you know, take misophonia. Is it like, what's well, misophonia? Oh, well, it's a hypervigilant response, amygdalic response. Oh, what's that? Well, it's a stress response, which is different from anxiety and worry. Oh, what's that? Well, it's a type of sensory processing. What's that? Well, sensory processing falls under the branch of an anxiety disorder. Like it's, you yeah. know, it would be a, bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. But like to your point is, is what, what do you ultimately want? Do you want them to know, um, to be able to write a paper on the thing? Or do you want them to understand you a bit, a, a bit better or understand the person a bit better? And then what you hope for? Is that they're they'll want more information and you and you can give a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, you, you got to Spofi, Frosty, Goku, you're all correct. You got to start on a common ground. It's you're gonna over their head or they're not gonna get it or relate to it. 
it's really for me it's so encouraging seeing more people talking and 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 i'm i'm hoping that like as people talk more about anything within the mental health sphere people dealing with all sorts of stuff feel more comfortable like bringing forward and talking about it because um you know i i don't know if y'all know meow he's talked about like his struggles playing the game um one-handed you know things like that that really really relate back to accessibility and and people in general understanding how accessibility could affect rating for example coming back to it um whether it is accessibility in that sense learning disorder stuff talking about like color blindness issues with rating and all, all that stuff like comes back to relate to like you know people feeling more comfortable like bringing up that stuff and like talking about how different things that might not be affecting one person is affecting them no, you guys, you guys are making me think. I need. We need to start a series on psychology. <laughs> maybe the psychology of the table has been very nice, but maybe we do hit video games specifically for that. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is kind of it's weird. It's a niche community uh, in a way. It's a big MMO. I think it's probably the second biggest MMO that's really known in the world in a way. I don't know if there's other MMOs that really. How you know come in the comparison with it? Maybe I'm just being too braggy about it. Uh, but it, there are a lot of people with a lot of different personalities in lots of different environments in the world, and it's funny, you know, uh, our perspectives change, and there's so many things that change our perspective. And just being in England, for example, your perspective is completely different. You could have the same qualities of everyone else, but you have a different perspective and different cultural learning and everything else that comes up. Uh, and so we interact with a lot of different people. Um, mm -hmm. and we just have to, and that's something I've been kind of telling myself recently too, is that we always have to keep that in mind that, uh, the people that we interact with is going, they're going to have their own perspective and they may not realize a lot of their thoughts are their, it dependent on their perspective. Uh, and so it's, it's, <laughs> which I, I could bring this back to political stuff, but I won't, uh, I feel like we, we've sailed that enough. But I guess I do want to bring this back because, uh, Goka, you did bring up kind of the uncommon versus common discussion here and make sure that we actually ran at the course that you wanted or if there was something else that you had that you want to follow up with on it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't follow up on like the same topic. Well, I, when, when you were talking about the niche community, something really hit my mind that's sure. been kind of on my mind here. So one of the things about the Fortune community is I don't want to call it sheepish, but there's definitely like trends towards big personalities, um, especially because a lot of it has coalesced on social media. Yeah. And I would definitely want to put out a big caution against that because I went through some stuff myself um, back in like 2015, 16, even going into today. And it was kind of interesting when I talked with people about my own issues, um, how things didn't correlate with the personalities that you see. So, you know, this, the people that you would think would be most accepting or open to these discussions are the people who are discussing it on social media. Um, in an ironic twist, uh, sometimes it was the most toxic personalities that actually had my back on these issues. Um, it was kind of mind blowing and it was kind of something that really threw me for a loop and fucked with me for the longest time, um, uh, way back in like 2016. Cause I was just sitting there thinking like, holy shit, all of these people I thought were this way are actually this way. Um, and in the, in the topic of, uh, mental health, 
there's always this power dynamic between people who are suffering it versus not. And it's especially tough when the people you're dealing with are big personalities. Um, so for example, I won't drop names here, but there is a big streamer during, uh, streamer and pro uh, world progression rater during Midas and Creator that um, broke up with his girlfriend because she told him, do not message me before Prague. Um, this, this like goes back to like strategies for Prague. So that, that was the thing she mm. messaged him and he broke up with her and went on to talk about her mental health issues in all of these discords and different groups to the point where she actually attempted suicide that year. And I remember this because her cousin messaged me in game, really pissed with me thinking that. I was somehow related to this, but it, because she was just throwing out names of people from the game. And so, um, you know, when you look at this person on the surface of it, they're talking about mental health. They're talking about very liberal agendas. You know, it's all very good, but I would very much caution people to, um, you know, challenge what you see on the social media front, because that is a big part of how people view each other. Um, in this game. And so um, something I just wanted to discuss is think about this power dynamic and be aware of it whenever you're hearing things from people, because um, I may not expect you to be bold enough to like bite back on people who do this, but if you conform to it, then you're doing even more damage than you probably want to be. Dr. Kelly, would you like to comment on that? Fair point. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fair point. Fair. It, it is it is difficult. And I think the if I'm I'm on the the same level here with you is that uh, we talk about it and we there, there's personalities that will say yeah I'm here for you we're all supporting we're loving and everything and that does get into that parasocial discussion that we're having right in a way uh, but at the same time the people may not be prepared to deal with that. And it's hard to have that communication because we're, they may have not seen this show and heard our advice and everything else about how to handle these different things. And so you have these kind of uh, conflicts going on where people should say, hey, this is what I'm supporting. I'm just trying to make you aware. I am not a specialist and I can't help you. That's not the surface level that probably should be there. Uh, is that what you mean, Goka? Um, a little bit. Well, Correct I mean, me my completely. Most, I'm fine yeah. being wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't really like talk about it about how much I could help you, but I guess it's mm -hmm. about exercising skepticism and just mm -hmm. um, being more aware of things going on. I guess like us as viewers, kind of be well, us as like streamers, be aware of what we're putting out there, and viewers being aware of what they are. Uh, the realistic expectations should be between them and other person and big personalities. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the streamer has that responsibility, but ultimately, you know, you can't expect streamers to be perfect. So you as the viewer, it was mostly my target audience with that is, okay. you know, yeah. don't idolize people is kind of the, the takeaway, Absolutely. even though that's something that happens a lot in this community. And it's hard. And, you know, we can we will constantly tell people and we'll try to make that the norm. But there's more people being born every day and there's more people coming in with that blank slate that run into these issues. And people are streaming and they are interacting with social media younger and younger and just getting all that information into their heads kind of difficult. Uh, but no, I 100% I agree with your point. Um, 
I guess uh, this does come into a, another part of all of this is that like when we're talking about supporting uh, and being positive towards uh, a positive mental health uh, atmosphere and everything else, what are the expectations we should have on ourselves to how to achieve that without going too far past it to where we're dedicating our life and every second to making sure everyone is mentally healthy that we interact with? Uh, I guess that's my question to you, Dr. Kelly. I wonder if um, I'm still blown away seven days a week. Every, <laughs> oh my goodness, Spofi, I wonder uh, if, if you have thoughts on that, actually. Um, in terms of, sorry, could you repeat the question real quick? Absolutely. So, I mean, what are our realistic, like, when we're going out there and we say, we say things like, because right now we're doing this show to talk about mental health and try to make people more aware and have these conversations and everything else. Uh, where do we set our limits with uh, that advice? And where, how do we, how do we present this to where like, Hey, this is mental health. What are we trying to achieve? Are we just trying to make people aware? Or are we actually trying to help people? Like what, and that's kind of a weird question. Um, we're helping by being aware, but if you yeah, get what I, I mean, mean I think it's going to change from person to person. Um, I generally don't think the average person should be giving like advice necessarily. I mean, depends on the context of it. I mean, if it's just in the, in the context of, you know, you're talking to someone who's like a friend or like in your community and just giving like life advice, that's one thing. Giving like specific mental health advice is kind of another um, I, I am more lean towards just wanting to create a place and have people feel more comfortable just like talking about their own truth in general and feeling heard and like feeling validated. Um, because I, I think it, it kind of goes back to the beginning and like, I mean, even when we were talking about the political stuff, just like reflective listening, like some people really just need someone to be able to listen or like need a place to be able to vent or whatever, where it's not, you know, their, their normal social circle um, of people, you know? Yeah. I mean, the stranger on the bus thing is actually uh, very helpful. And I think that's what a, a, a lot of therapy comes into uh, almost. And I, I'll be clear for everyone. I haven't really told anyone this, but like um, over the summer, I, I, I'm in therapy right now. I, I do uh, therapy and I, I uh, started over the summer because I was going through uh, a lot of stuff that people may belittle in their own way and everything else. But I, I've had that discussion uh, and I, I talk to people. It's not my therapy is not as active as it was, but I was at a pretty bad point. Uh, and I don't make that as public to everyone, but I think it's important maybe for me to say that too, to let you guys know it's normal. <laughs> therapy is therapy is pretty normal and it is a privilege of me to be able to afford it and kind of go through those motions. Uh, but actually therapy is fairly accessible right now due to the pandemic, funny enough. And if you have any kind of health insurance, but then again, you might not have health insurance. And so it, there, there's resources out there. I'm privileged in the way that I can actually go to uh, a therapist and attend that every single time. But it's not something that people should uh, say and feel bad about. I don't feel bad about it. And I think that's something that I would like to see uh, more within the community. And I know we joke about it. We're like, man, yeah, I need therapy. Like, oh, yeah, like that's kind of a joke. But I mean, it's not a bad thing. And I feel like we should normalize that with everyone else and say, hey, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Go go talk to somebody that you don't know personally and can discuss these things with you. Uh, and I, I've managed a lot of grief I've had recently because of it. And I, I'm happier now than I would have been if I didn't do it. So, uh, Dr. Thank, Kelly, thank 
Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, <clears throat> you know, that, that can be a tough thing to say. It can be. I see some people appreciating it in the <laughs> chat there. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a testament. You know, a lot of therapists have therapists, you know. And I, I think, you know, one of the things I say when I have a come in, I get them to explain what mental health is to me and what psychology is to me. And, you know, I think the, the idea is, well, therapy is when you're when you go get fixed or when you're having like depression, you go get fixed. That's only half of it. Uh, mm -hmm. The other half, positive psychology of like, look, you're not having mental health issues, but how can you improve your life? Right. How can you the question of, of less of, you know, what how do we fix what's broken? But how do we use what works? Right. I mean, mm -hmm. those are the, we, we forget about that latter question. Mm -hmm. And because we so are deficit focused on the first one, I think it is sort of stigmatized, you know, like you like you had said, um, you know, the the. Well, actually, I, I have another question related to your previous. Sure. I, before I do that, I, I, I want to make in, in case. Goka had any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so I definitely agree with um, that, you know, what's the next step part or how do you like live with it? Because a lot of times uh, I remember reading like way back a while back, there was someone that was saying, um, <clears throat> I think he was talking about relationships. He was like saying, you know, don't get into a relationship until you fix your mental health issues. And the general idea that a lot of players have about mental health is that it's something that you go to a therapist and then you fix it. You get your medication, you solve it. It's it's kind of, it's like the cold where it's just you 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 get it, then you take your medicine, you fix it. But sometimes people are going to have to live with this for the rest of their lives. And because they have to live with it for the rest of their lives, um, what's really important is making sure it's not debilitating. It's something that, um, you know, it doesn't render you um, less functional than you want to be, basically. Um, and that's why sometimes the whole, like, resource dropping can come off as a bit um, cold, Um I, I say this from my experience, um, like years ago, um, I remember in 2016, I was actually, um, in the hospital, um, for, um, attempted suicide and leading up to that, I remember talking with a bunch of people and the ones that were really good were the ones that would, you know, sit there and have that talk with me. And, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a feeling of I'm trying to fix this. It was like, why are you feeling this way? You know, what's, what's going on? Um, and just kind of like growing out, so to say, mm -hmm. whereas the ones that were really almost, it almost felt offensive was like, you know, here's this number, go call it or something like that. Or even in the case of someone just immediately calling the police and it's kind of like, I'm trying to have dialogue about this, um, this topic, not, you know, just get, you know, pulled in by the police or something. So, um, yeah, that, that's why I think it's also important to recognize that these aren't issues that you go out and fix per se, you just make them less intrusive. And I, yeah, and I, no, I, and I, I appreciate you saying that. I assume the converse, the people you were speaking with were people who are close to you that you felt you, you had intimacy with. I, yeah. I assume if it was that. Yeah, that would be a pretty awful someone that you think you're very close to is mm -hmm. like, oh, there's you're like, 
you're my best friend. That's, that's yeah. pretty messed up right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I will, if rough. I can cut in just for a second here, uh, I, I will say that it is, you know, that there is kind of a, a, a situation to where we are in those dire moments where we need, we feel like we need help and everything else. And it doesn't feel good if someone doesn't give us a, uh, you know, the response we're hoping for, especially when we're in those moments. Um, uh, but a lot of people, even if they seem confident and able to kind of discuss that stuff, it is, it may be difficult to kind of, I guess, expect them much out of them because Good again, point. they're just a, a person, right? They don't, they don't, they don't have these discussions, uh, on a regular basis and they may not be able to handle it when they talk to you, they may freeze up because what else do they know to do? I don't know if that might maybe, uh, something that you think about at all, Goka, but, uh, I'd like to hear what you think on that too. Cause it, it does suck that someone come, you're like, I'm, I'm in, I need help. And then they're just like, call this person, do this. And really what you just need is someone to talk to. Uh, do you have any recommendations for how someone should respond to you in those cases? If they maybe don't have the ability, are they actually feel like they're going to freeze up? Um, well, that's the thing. I, I, like I said, I'm not qualified medical professional, but in my experience, the way that I, what I wanted at that time was just, um, just to have that talk. Um, but I can also see where in some cases it might be more urgent. So, you know, I've also been on the receiving end of this. Um, like I said, with that person earlier, mm -hmm. um, when I heard about, what happened from her cousin, it didn't actually end right there. There was another um, attempt where I ended up staying on the phone with her for about seven hours or so through the night, um, mm -hmm. just trying to keep things, um, you know, keep things from going bad. And I guess this is probably where a bit of that empathy comes into place is, you know, trying to figure out what their goal is in coming to you because if they're coming to you with something um uh they they probably have something in mind mm -hmm. unless it's literally just like hey i'm i'm doing this by you know that that's the kind of urgent case but right um right. if they are coming to you otherwise then you know do your best to figure out what <clears throat> what 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 are they looking for in this and try to deliver on that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found that um, in, I, I mean, I, I think that when it comes to like resource dropping, for example, it's something I've very much done in situations where someone who is a viewer of my stream messages me about suicidal ideation and stuff. And it's not really someone I've ever talked to before. And I don't feel comfortable like talking to them about it right because it just I, I don't even really know who they are so then that is like the natural response but I think that there have also been situations where someone that I know and care about has come to me with like suicidal ideation and and at the time I didn't like whether it's freezing up or just finding like knowing like already getting like triggered by the conversation like I have like and I'm not saying that this is like the right way to handle it or something, but it's always been like the only way that I've known to handle it is just to like really like talk about like how, what value that person has had in my life and like tell them what they mean to me and then just 
that that's all I ever really feel like I can do because past that, like if it's someone that I care about, like if, if, if I'm like in a situation where I feel like I'm then going to like start freaking out, I'm like, you know, I care about you. And then like, you know, Mm -hmm. so, uh, and it it is such a difficult, uh, discussion to have, by the way, for a lot of people. Uh, I, I, I have, again, I've had lots of past experiences where I've had discussions with people and, uh, I've one of my friend's sisters, you know, she actually went through the issue of uh, someone actually did commit suicide in front of her. Uh, And it was one of those things like, oh, well, I I loved you. You didn't love me back. So this is what's happening. And it's horrible. I mean, and when you hear these stories and these things kind of get close to you, it makes you extra sensitive to these situations. And for me, at least in my personal experience, I'm sure she went through a lot with hers. But just even knowing you know, these things do happen and they're, they're happening close to you. I guess it's the same thing with the coronavirus. If you have people dying from it around you, you're like, oh, well, this is something serious. And if it's not even around you at all or someone just coughs a little bit, then it's not a big deal. But uh, when this stuff happens, you start to kind of freak out a little bit. And it it sucks because even if the people care about you and they do want to help you, they just don't know what to do. And it's it's such a sad situation and it feels disheartening because it may feel like they don't care about you but i feel like also there's a situation to where they do they just don't they just don't know how to handle it um but i don't know if that helps at all and uh, goka we did have our own conversations but i mean i i don't know if i was a horrible person <laughs> during those conversations or not uh because uh I, I understand, and I didn't want you to have to bring up that stuff if you didn't want to, but uh, I do understand. And- oh, yeah, it's perfectly fine. Um, it's one of those things that's kind of been put out there. So, um, you know, it is. It, it always feels awkward to talk about. I don't, mm-hmm. it's not something that's enjoyable, but I also very strongly, just based on the things I've been through um, as a child, believe in just truth of the matter. And so, you know, these are facts that I'm talking about. So I have no problem saying them, even if they are uncomfortable, just because, you know, they are facts. And Dr. Kelly, I don't know if you want to jump in at all. And also, if you have to go soon, just let me know. Uh, no, that's okay. My my children came home and it and they stormed in. Oh, it's <laughs> okay. Some VR. <laughs> this is a, and then the dog came in. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think those were all really good points. Um, you know, it's so idiosyncratic. Um, you know, for some people, I mean, you know, we all, we all have different needs mm-hmm. when we're going through a hard time. Uh, some people really want emotional coping. They don't want solutions. Solutions feels invalidating or belittling. They mm-hmm. just want to be heard for a while. They don't really want to solve it in that moment. They just want, I just want to talk about it with somebody who I care about and who knows. Mm-hmm. Um and other people, like I'm, I'm, I'm more in the problem solving route, right? I, that doesn't do me any benefit personally. Um, if I'm going through a hard time, I want to talk with somebody about solutions. And, you know, I, I just, this reminds me of, you know, I, my wife is an emotional coper and I'm a problem solving coper. And we tend to want to provide people, hang on. Just no problem at all. I, I completely get it. 
Uh, and I, I would also say uh, I, I'm kind of in that situation too. Like if I ever get in a, an argument with my wife, I'm aggressive and I want to solve it and I want to fix it. I just yeah. don't want a bad feeling yeah, anymore. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, I'm so – but she's it's like, no, I just too. don't want to talk to you. It, just, you just, it, it has to be time. Uh, and I, it's hard for me because I keep like – I get more angry and more angry just because I'm like, I want to solve it. But in the other, there's other ways to handle right. it. And I just am on a different spectrum. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, we've done a lot of research. Um, when my wife, when, when I'm going through a hard time, I've told her, you know, please don't give me like, Oh, that's so hard. Cause that would work for a lot of people. It does the opposite. It makes me feel vulnerable. I, I, it, I, I go the other direction. I'm like, I don't want to, nah, right. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I need to, what are some, can you come up with some solutions? Um, and it makes me uncomfortable. And then with hers, we joke that it's, uh, she just, she, you know, we just call it, I just want you to call Karen a bitch. Right. And so like she'll talk, she's no orthopedist and she'll be talking about frustrating. And I'm kind of sitting there like thinking social dynamics. I'm like, OK, did, and you went to the HR. OK, mm-hmm. did, did you feel validated by the HR? No. OK. And <laughs> have you tried this? And she's like, will you stop trying to solve the problem for a second? So I think, you know, to, to these points is some people, they do not want emotional coping, um, you know, and, and that is the last thing. Mm-hmm. And they want problem solving. Other people, you know, they want a distraction, avoiding coping. Other people, uh, let, you know, like Goka, you know, which is totally reasonable. It's like, I just emotional coping. I want to be heard and I want to have someone with me in this moment, in this feeling, so I don't feel alone. And then mm-hmm. I can just process this in a safe space. And it's so idiosyncratic. And so, like, you know, the, the best thing you can do, no one's really going to be, aff- no one's going to be offended by reflective listening. Mm-hmm. If they say something to you and you summarize it back, okay, so it sounds like it was a really hard day and this person did something that made you feel very frustrated because, you know, it's just like not at all what you're thinking or, you know, just summarizing. So you're saying, I understand what you're saying. No one's going to be offended by that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then maybe the follow up question, instead of assuming they're an emotional coper or, or a problem solving coper or an avoidant coper or what they're needing is like, what do, what do you need now? Right. Like what, what would make this better? What do you need now? Mm-hmm. And if they're struggling to tell you, maybe you can try to, you know, find. but again, by the way, this is just individuals, not if you're streamer <laughs> right streamer can clarify, right? yeah because you can you can't <laughs> you do have this no for every single person yeah yeah no, you don't you don't have you don't have any part this is the drop drop the resource right sort of we hear you get the mod to whisper it seems like you're having a really hard time are you are you safe and then i was like we are so sorry you know we're a community with you behind you you know here are some resources you can do you know whatever and then you have to kind of mm-hmm. back off because some, something i would say is even when you have a personal relationship you have to remember yourself and you have to remember, are you putting on a thousand hats, right? Are you putting on a therapist hat for them? And then are you putting on a friend hat? And then are you putting on a colleague hat? Like how many hats are you wearing and how is it affecting you? If you have a friend and we've all done it, you know, kind of big hearted people and Goka, I'm so glad your friend had you for that long conversation. And I'm not speaking to that conversation, but I'll use a hypothetical of if you have someone speak to their friend through the night, right? Um, what might've happened inadvertently is um, they now are not going to see a therapist because they have you. And they believe that the precedent is I can go talk to my friend for 12 hours when I need them. So I'm not going to pursue a mental health practitioner, right? I'm not going to seek a resource, right? Which could go south and could affect a relationship. Uh, You've been up all night talking. Uh, I sort of think of me as a psychologist. If I talk to my friend all night, um, well, the next day I'm going to be sleep deprived. I'm going to be a worse husband, a worse psychologist, a worse dad. I'm gonna. My well-being is going to be low. 
I'm, I'm going to have an increase of melatonin all day. So I'm going to have a decrease in serotonin. So I'm going to be depressed. Um, you know, I might not exercise because it's going to, you know, now we just jeopardized our self-care to mm. take care of someone who really did need to also seek other resources. Mm. So it's hard and it's, there's no clear line. We try to provide boundaries and, and try to provide guidelines. But, you know, to everyone's point in here that, that has been said, there's no easy way to do it. It's so idiosyncratic, yeah. you know. Uh, Goka, I don't know if you want to put any thoughts more into that or if you're good on that. Um, let me get a moment to think. Um, That's okay. I do have a situation I do want to relate to what you just said. And it's not it's not a one for one. It's completely different. Uh, but over the last uh, we in April, I, I lost like a long time animal of mine, which led me to a lot of grief and everything else. Um, and after that, I uh, I went and I was driving down the road. And I, was, I guess I was just getting to that point to where I was kind of accepting the situation and dealing with it a little bit better. And I was on the interstate during rush hour, and there was a dog on the side of the interstate that was sitting there on the concrete. And I'm like, okay, this dog's in trouble. I got to help them. But then I took a second. I was like, all right, if I stop, I'm going on the side of the interstate, and I could get hit by a car. I could scare the dog into the interstate and then cause even more issues for myself. I'm not equipped to handle this situation and so i kept driving as hard as that was that was very very difficult for me but as hard as that was i kept driving and then i contacted animal uh control and they had to handle it from there because there's nothing else that i could do without putting really good analogy yeah because there's so many other factors that i have to take in that could have hurt other people like if i got hit by a car my wife is dealing with that now the the other animals in my house are dealing with that now everyone else is in that deal with that now if i and they would have to deal with it as well as i feel like i caused a worse situation and made that reaction happen then i that's going to affect me, which hits everyone else. And so I knew it was important to kind of just be responsible and do what I thought was going to lead to the best thing. Even though I have this weird hero complex where I want to save that dog, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. I, I, I can't. Um, I'm, I'm going to use that analogy from now on. I'm going to pretend it was... Okay, that's fine. You can. You can. It was just an experience I had that it, it stuck with me uh, uh, pretty yeah. well. Uh, Goka, I don't know if uh, if you want more time. I can give you more time too. Um, yeah, I mean, I've talked about, like I said, that's why I've been very careful to preface it with, you know, this was my experience Mm -hmm. because I actually don't know how common this is for other people, um, wanting that type of resolution, um, or what they're expecting because, you know, the long term, like draw out of that whole situation, um, it was pretty interesting, uh, and this is kind of a tangent, but basically um, part of it stemmed from people uh, talking about using suicide as a bargaining chip down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Frosty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I when I talked about this, some people took that as a signal of like, yeah, he, he's just saying that because he wants me to do X, Y, Z. And it was kind mm-hmm. of, it was kind of, weird because invalidating people too. not yeah not just invalidating but like i remember it would be over stuff that happens in council so you're, you're talking about in-game stuff mm-hmm. and it's kind of like why would i throw myself or do that over something that's in game that's very petty and trivial and the other part of it that actually really hurt was how do you prove that you're not lying <clears throat> and it almost feels as if you have to just go through with it 
in order to prove that you're not lying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so it was pretty interesting because I went to therapy. I tried medication. None of that worked. And then this year, I wrote about it publicly. Um, zero days without Final Fantasy drama, right? Um, <laughs> right. Basically, right. I wrote about it pretty in-depth about the things I had been put through. And since then, it's just been great. You know, it, it's kind of weird. It's like the therapy wasn't the silver bullet. Medication wasn't the silver bullet, but just actually being upset about it visibly. Um, it's been a huge change in my life just yeah. from um, <clears throat> just from like talking about it. And it, you know, this didn't like happen like overnight. It's been four like yeah four years of different thinking about different things and mm-hmm. i guess one of the things that really pushed me to that point was um there's this re- she used to be like the chief editor for the verge uh sarah Zhang, mm-hmm. and she recently changed jobs i think to the new york times and people were bringing up um some of her tweets because she made tweets that were like offensive to white people white males specifically mm-hmm. and one of the lines in there was talking about how she it was a piece in support of what she did and they are saying that she's entitled to her anger and so i guess this kind of goes back to the boundaries thing where um you know therapy and um medication are one thing but sometimes i just feel that you do need to just speak the truth and be angry and say what comes to mind because um that was at least the solution for me. And I, I know this is anecdotal and can't really speak to everyone, but that was a huge thing for me. I feel like that's actually really important to hit on is that when we talk about solving uh, some of the issues that we've had in the past are uh, other people and how they solve them. It's not the same for everyone. That's we, It's probably really important that, that that was a solution with Goka, but uh, my solution, if I was in that situation, could be different. And same thing with Spofi, could be in a situation to where that's different. We're not all going to respond and be able to handle the things the same way. Uh, so you got to, it's tough. It's a really tough road, but I think you got to find the right solution for you. And Goka eventually did. And he tried the, the, the typical things that people would expect you to do. Uh, but he found the right solution in the end. He just, yeah, it's tough no, road sometimes. Totally... I get that too. I mean, I think one of the hardest things when you're when you're going through stuff that you're struggling with too is like when you're questioning your your own reality of what you're angry about in some <laughs> cases. Like you you might even think like like or someone's trying to like devalue like what you're angry about or like say that you shouldn't be in some way. Like that can like stick with you and sometimes you like internalize it in a way that like when you finally are able to like talk about it and get it out there and realize that you you are allowed to like own that and own what upset you it can it can help a lot Hmm. dr kelly do you have any bits you want to throw in there no i mean it's a good point you know i think with any practitioner you know psychiatric psychological or you know therapist um Mm -hmm. you know we have to we have to abide by best practices right and best practice would refer to what are evidence-based ways of helping. And, you know, let's take mild to moderate depression, anxiety, since it popped up in a bit. The number one treatment's therapy. Um, mm-hmm. It's better than medicine. 
um, severe anxiety and depression, you have to have uh, medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Acutely suicidal. I mean, these type of things, if you're not doing it, you're, you're going against best practice, right? Might they be okay? Sure. But if you're, if you're not doing it, you're going against, you're, you're, you're not increasing the likelihood that they'll survive. Um, but, but the reality is, you know, like Oka saying, it's so individualized. I know some people who, you know, take a cyberry. There's no research on a cyberry curing, you know, depression, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no neuron. But look, if the placebo effect of a cyberry is going to do her, mm -hmm. fantastic, right? I, I mean, like if I got someone taking sea oil for their arthritis and they're like, it's helping. It's like, I'm like, that's really great to hear. Like, I'm like, right. roll, roll. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are some things that are hard to study. I mean, we, we've studied about how self-disclosure, when it can be good, when it can be bad, you know, kind of what Goke is talking about of, of getting a story. And, you know, with things that involve trauma, certainly uh, saying your narrative and having that narrative accepted is important. Um, it could be great for some people. Others, if they're if a part of their um, struggles has to do with, you know, needing acceptance um, from meaningful people, and then they're getting acceptance from strangers. Well, we know that can be like a filling the void, and then they start to have problematic social media use because they're starting to fill their void of I'm not being accepted, IRL, and now I'm filling my void with likes and you know retweets and followers, and it, but it's like an artificial acceptance that doesn't maintain, and then we actually see it might help at the beginning, and then later mental health issues are, are larger. So with all this stuff, there's a reason that we have so many professionals. It's so idiosyncratic. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so individualized. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love that that work for Goka. And I know there's a number of people uh, who it would, right? And yeah. then there's some that'd be the, the exact opposite. So it's just, it's figuring out. The therapist's role is supposed to be able to help. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry that that's not a role that was really taken, you know, yeah. but... Um, it does so happen. It does happen. You will find someone and you just don't click. For example, for my situation, they were interviewing me trying to figure out who would be someone who could help me because it's not always that you get the therapist that would help you. Uh, oh, yeah, if I could briefly do a plug on that. Please, yeah, go ahead. If, if you're looking for mental health uh, services, guys, goodness of fit is the number one. I mean, are they providing the type of therapeutic module you'd like? And do you do you relate to them? Uh, that's why we do 15-minute free meet and greets all Look, I'm, I, I pride myself. I'm a pretty good psychologist, right? And, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty good at certain areas, but I could be the exact wrong thing for somebody. And then if you're getting it, think about what you want and then read a bit about therapies, different therapies. Um, do you want talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavior therapy? Do you want to do groups? Do you want to do individualized? Like there's a lot of mediums and, you know, it's important that you take a role in your and that you, you, you are one of the ones driving it. Yeah, I think that's uh, something I'd like to go ahead and start discussing too. Uh, and we are leading a little bit after two hours, so maybe we won't go too too much longer. Uh, but there are a couple topics, a couple things I do want to hit, and I may want to answer just a couple of questions from chat. So if you guys have any questions that you want to ask during this entire conversation we've had, and you're like, "Hey, this is we can't go like super in depth and like have a straight therapy session for that question," but just general things that you would like to ask, we can go ahead and do a, a quick response on that. Uh, I think it's exclamation point questions or something we'll bring that up i i can probably even do that uh real quick uh let me do that oh it's so far away with my setup uh okay i can see it all right cool but i would like to say uh when we're talking about ourselves and when we need help and things that we are going through um 
you know, what, what can our expectations be of other people around us when we need help? I think that we did talk about that a little bit, but I feel like we need to solidify that uh, for anyone who may be listening to this and need help. What, what are expectations of our friends, of uh, people maybe when we're going to get therapy, people we don't know, but we feel close to <laughs> in some way in a leadership role? What should we be expecting of other people? And I guess, Sophie, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear your opinion on that too. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends, right, on your relationship with them. Um, I generally advise people not to go to someone who you're not, like, don't go to a streamer mm -hmm. and, like, talk to them about, like, your, like, mm -hmm. privately about, like, your deep um, struggles. Like, go to a friend, go to someone in your support system. Um, outside of that, I would say that I'm not sure if evaluating your expectations of a friend is a good thing to do in the moment. Um, because I think like when you're, at least for me, when I've been in like my darkest states of mind, like I know that like I've, I've been <clears throat> extremely paranoid or like, just like thought whatever, like all sorts of different things about the people that I've, I've talked to and reach out to. I think that's something usually to evaluate later and like, think like, you know, did, is, is this what I like expect from a friend? And if, and, and that's going to be different from person to person, I think. Yeah. And I do want to backtrack for just a second. We are getting closer to running out of time. So if you have questions, I'm going to put this on YouTube. What I'd recommend, actually, if you don't mind, is ask your questions there. And I'll link this to all the guests so they can come back and answer some of your questions if you'd like. Uh, I feel like that would be the best way so we don't cut into too much time here and everything else. Because I'm, I'm thinking about this right now. And our questions <laughs> can have very long answers. Uh, I, I don't even feel like we've been here for over two hours. But uh, we have. <laughs> And so, yeah, if you guys have questions, we'll, we'll save that for the YouTube side of it and the comments and everything. Um, and we'll be more than happy to, to answer that. Uh, Goka, uh, I guess from being from your point of view, too, you were kind of uh, in a situation to where you needed help. And I guess it might be good for you to tell everyone what you think people's expectations should be of others when you do need help. <clears throat> like what I would expect of them. Um, mm -hmm. God. I mean, this is a matter of should expect from them, and well, I think better of what you can, because uh, what what's acceptable in a reasonable way that you have, because should is such a, a a hopeful thing, and we're not, especially when we need help, we're not always going to be in a hopeful situation. I think. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being grim, I don't think you can have any expectations because you really don't know how that person's gonna respond to what you're saying um mm -hmm. just logically uh, that's why i was like thinking about the like the can versus should mm -hmm. um i you know just based on my experiences i didn't you know to this day like now if i were to do this again mm -hmm. i wouldn't really have any expectations just because um you know those world views that i had back then just kind of shattered in that moment um yeah, it's a bit dark, but that is kind of how I so, see it right now. So I guess a, a follow-up to be like, what would you be hopeful that people could kind of respond in a, a, a somewhat of a reasonable way, thinking about it as well? Like if someone was in a good situation, kind of what we were talking about earlier though, right? Would you say just them listening and being kind of reflective and having that discussion with you? Would that be something that you would just be hoping for? Yeah, exactly. I think the reflective talk is um, a very big deal because... Um, at the very least, uh, you are trying to empathize with them. And I think that is 
what this comes down to is exercising empathy mm -hmm. by understanding what's happening, what their situation is. And um, even if you don't agree with them, like maybe they are upset about something that's really trivial, trivial or trivial or mm -hmm. um, ridiculous. You know, I've done that a lot in the past, especially, you know, among Endgame Raiders that are just so full of themselves. But um, no matter what kind of nonsense came at my door, I was ready to at least pretend I'm like their biggest friend in the moment. Okay. Uh, Dr. Kelly, do you want to say your piece on that too? Sure. Um, you know, it's hard, you know, Frosty, you had mentioned something, I think pretty insightful a while back of <clears throat> everybody has their different strengths. Maybe it's someone you're incredibly close to, but they're just very empathic. Mm -hmm. They are empathic, but struggle to understand. Maybe they have Asperger's. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but something where they just can't be with for you there in a certain way, and it's not their fault. Um, but there's something I think, you know, we, we are herd creatures. We all uh, are, are based in, in herd mentality, altruism, buffalo, monkeys, <laughs> you know, meerkats. I mean, right. we're among that type of brain that has evolved and survived for thousands of thousands of years to adapt to the first. Mm -hmm. So a part of our brain is designed to when things are bad and we're worried about our survival. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's a hyperbolic, but depressed or anxious right. or whatever. That there is going to be usually um, some push to connect to something. Um, and as a, to, to hope that maybe there'll be a friend who can just be there, just to be present with you, just to be in a moment. They don't have to be a therapist, they don't have to be advice, just to listen and to, be, to exist can be nice. I mean, simply having a child and having, you know, another peer or a parent walk in. Uh, will in, just that alone will increase oxytocin, which makes people feel connected, attached. Um, it's the same thing that a baby will match his mother's heart rate with, because of her heart rate with. It's the same reason that a mother lactates when, you know, uh, her, her baby cries. The same thing that'll happen when you're in love with somebody and they come lying and you feel connected. You can provide that simply by being with someone. So to be present in the moment with somebody, expectation, I think, is if, again, if you have a friendship with them, which is which right. alludes that you have intimacy already, yeah. right? Friendly or platonic or romantic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, we are kind of getting to that point to where we need the wrap up and everything. And uh, again, these topics could go for very, very, very long. Uh, and maybe we need to do another a visit towards this topic again in the future. Uh, you guys have been fantastic on the show, by the way. Uh, it really means a lot that you all came on for it. Uh, and gave us different experiences and thoughts on this. And I do uh, want to take a second uh, before we do all of our closing remarks, because you do have, I know we were talking about resource dropping and everything else, but it is important to have these resources available in some way uh, for people who may be able to use them and make use of them. And Dr. Kelly, you do have some of those resources. Would you mind telling everybody and giving a little bit of information about them? Sure. Um, gosh, you know, I think a better format might be, is there a way that I provide links somewhere if people yeah in it. chat well i think i can in chat uh okay. let me and, well, I, and i can I'll, put it on youtube as well like i'll put it in the description perfect. uh but we, I, we, go ahead yeah we can do that that'd be great i'm sorry i should have thought about that. Um, fine. um one thing that i don't mind um i don't have a, a presence like uh uh, uh, uh spofi has so i still have the luxury to some extent if you want to connect with me 
on Twitter and ask about resources. I can sort of tell you a few things mm -hmm. we have. Again, like Frost said, I'm not a visual therapist, but if you have questions right. about this discussion, anything I've said, uh, resources that we've talked about, don't hesitate um, to to uh, let me know. I'll, let's see, I'll type. Yeah, let me, uh, I think I have to give you permission. So let me permit oh, you sorry. real quick. <laughs> no, it's yeah. fine. You're on the Geek um, account? Uh, you could do Geeks Like Us, and then my Twitter it. account's the main thing to do. So DRR Kelly. Okay, so. Um, on Twitter. And, so, and I can provide Frosty you with all those things that you can provide viewers. Absolutely. I, I'll go ahead and do that. And so, yeah, so they can find you on Twitter with uh, Dr. R. Kelly, right? That'd be the best place. <laughs> Which is great name again. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and do you have any last words that you want? I guess this is a good point to do to sign off stuff then. Do you have any other last words you'd like to say uh, to everybody before we close up the show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just the thing I say is there is a a use a u-shaped space in this mm -hmm. universe that only you can fill and at a physics standpoint if we removed you the actual matter of you everything would cause and so very literally you matter right and there's no one else who can be you better than you and you are needed for everything else to exist you're theistic or not that's that's a reality so the idea is try try to be you right um come up with an ideal version of and become it work towards it, find support along the way. You don't need to do it. All. And, you know, along the way, um, take care of yourself, love yourself, um, your feelings and thoughts matter, and you need to act that way or else you will subconsciously believe that they don't. That's going to be very hard for our other guests to top here in their closing statements. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, Goka, uh, I, I know you don't do a lot of streaming or anything else, but any last words that you'd like to say and anything, if, anything else that you want to say before we get off the show? Um, well, I guess the, my like takeaway in this is I, like I said, I don't believe in just like preaching principles. I'm not going to tell you like you should be this way or shouldn't be that way. Um, I used to be, but that's not my style anymore. Instead, I would say, just keep these ideas and topics on your mind because it's a lot like racial bias where, you know, if you are looking for racial bias, you might find it where it doesn't exist. But if you don't even have it on your mind, you're going to miss it where it exists. And so if you keep these topics on your mind, you know, when you encounter it, encounter it, you're going to uh, you're, you're going to recognize it. And um, a good example of this was a player that I met um, that had some issues. And a lot of people memed on this player because as a result of those issues, um, they make a lot of like silly statements. And they were actually on the chat for Mog Talk for a while. Um, and a lot of people thought that this was my alt account, just like trolling oh, people. Uh, but I, <laughs> yeah, but I don't even it wasn't it. actually. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, and this person asked for various things, and they're not someone I would have normally interacted with. But because these topics were on my mind and reminded me of my little sister, who actually suffers from an assortment of um, illnesses, mm -hmm. I took the time to help them out with whatever they had going on. And, you know, that's kind of the difference that keeping things on your mind will make um, throughout your day. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, and uh, now I remember. Yeah, I remember that clearly. Uh, that was a long time ago. That was really long. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, sorry, I we're going to get off into another tangent. Spofy, uh, would you like to tell everyone where they can find you in all your last thoughts here? Yeah, sure. Um, I stream at twitch.tv slash Um 
I'm in the chat. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I, I, I do come from it from a different perspective. Like I kind of want to like my final words to be speaking about kind of streaming just because that's the perspective that I am here. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think as a 14 player and from what I've seen with streaming, I just want to really urge people to, I guess, echo and be mindful and like don't be afraid to like, I mean, every community, every streamer, every FC, every static, everything that you're going to, every sort of like subgroup that you're going to find yourself a part of by playing um, a massively multiplayer game is going to be different. And there's nothing necessarily wrong. With, there's nothing wrong with you. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that group. <clears throat> if you don't find yourself fitting in, like just, just be willing to like try different things and like you know if if a certain like you're uncomfortable like with a certain streamer or a certain fc like don't be afraid to like go talk to other people and stuff because like i don't know that's that's one of the hardest things i've seen is people feeling like super stuck when in reality like there's nothing wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with that group it's just maybe it's not a good fit so just like trying to push yourself to try new things is really good okay awesome you guys all followed up pretty well. Sorry, I, I completely underestimated all of you. Uh, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for spending uh, your time with me today. All the viewers, the people on the show, the mods and everything else. Again, if you'd like to ask questions on YouTube, feel free. I'm going to put links and everything. Dr. Ryan Kelly will give me lots of links that I can give to all of you uh, in case you are looking for resources and ways that you can help or be helped. I think that will be uh, posted on there. The other uh, things that I would like to say, just some quick administrative things with me, is that I am be going to be doing, again, the World Race stream uh, at the beginning of next month, and we are forming our team to do that. We're hoping to have a pretty heavy team of like 20-ish or so people kind of running these things as a 24-7 stream during the event. And so if you are interested in that as a person who likes to stream, a person who likes to commentate, whether it's host purely or analytical, uh, if you're a person who likes to track the race and how it's going, we need people of all roles to help us out. And it's going to be a completely volunteer event that we're doing for charity. And so uh, we haven't locked down the exact charity we're going to be using, uh, but we are going to do a complete just fundraiser and all the money will go straight. If it's on my channel for that month, it's going to it. Like subs, everything that I have will go towards it. Uh, to benefit this charity and so keep that in mind i will be looking for people and if you want to be a part of that just contact me either on twitter or wherever email me at frosty ffxiv.com or yeah uh, at gmail.com sorry uh and um there, there's something else i want to make sure i had a list and i don't want to forget anything else here i think that was the most important one uh oh yeah and so again uh Dr. Ryan Carey, why do I want to say Carey? I don't know why I want to say Carey. I'll change it. I'll yeah. change it. <laughs> Dr. Ryan Kelly, thank you for coming on and giving us your time. Of course. Uh, you were Glad to do it. fantastic. Hope, you know, it made me feel a little bit less insecure about me just saying stuff blatantly uh, and expecting it to be true. Uh, <laughs> and thank you, Sophie and Goka, for coming on and giving your experiences. Again, it, it meant a lot to have those perspectives here. Um. That being said, uh, I do have a little Patreon video that I show at the end to thank the people because it was an incentive, and so we have that coming up too. And until then, next week, whenever we do next show, have a wonderful time. Be good. Keep cool. Stay frosty. Bye, guys. Uh, Ryan, you got you to do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure.
a fucking yeah. fantastic yeah. show. Discussion was terrific, and guests were amazing. Uh, but uh, what the what the hell is this? Why are you watching me right now when the show is over? Right? Um, yep, it is. It's it, it's over. Uh, but this is a bonus video due to the efforts of people with either too much money or they just really want to support the show because they have the ability to give. The, I, I I don't know. I I don't know why people reach this incentive. Uh, or they just love me saying their name. I I I don't I don't really get it. But at the end of each week's episode, I will be doing a special thank you to the few who are in the most premium tier of the Patreon support for the show. Uh, since I launched it, for some reason, they wanted to do that. This week, those few are Dude, It's Antonio, a fucking fantastic Mog Talk supporter. I've been with the show for almost its entirety. Also, there's Super Miu who runs the TeamCraft website and is an extremely amazing developer overall. And on that note, we also have another amazing member of the community who works with the Aquamorian Project, Nimic, uh, who has joined the ranks of the people with either too much money or just like me saying their name. I, I really don't know which one. Uh, so what what do I do on this video that's so amazing? Nothing. This is a, a completely off-the-cuff uh, video made every week to say thanks. But uh, this week I do have a little something. I, uh, I've been recently practicing with an instrument, and uh, I will display some of my skill here for you today. It's a very difficult, difficult thing I've been working on, uh, so let me get it out. Alright, and let's see, we can do this. Thank you uh, for that. Thank, that was that's rough. I've I've spent a lot of time working on that. Uh, but again, that was dedicated to Dude as Antonio, Super Mew, and Ock Morning. Uh, I apologize for the lack of episodes recently, by the way, and uh, thank you uh, videos that haven't really been having, happening because there was no episodes. But uh, as we venture our way into the next patch, things are going to get pretty busy and probably pretty exciting. Uh, again, thank you very much. To all the Patreon supporters and literally anyone who takes the time to listen to the show. And until next time, see ya. Bye.